Hello, this is George Sedgwick. You're listening to episode 379 of the Gaming and BS podcast, which I have never listened to and probably never will, though I have heard good things. The fact is I'd like to become rich, and my understanding is the best place to do that is within the RPG community, specifically podcasting. So as soon as I'm done with this, I'm going to hit send, open my wallet, and expect the big bucks to roll right in. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Gaming NBS, the tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Welcome back. Glad everybody's on board. Sean, how are you, man? Doing well, Brett. How are you? Not bad. Not bad at all. How was uh, how's the gaming scene been for you since we talked? Ah, oh, it's been uh, interesting. I was to run Forbidden Lands last week, but we we're going to be down a player, yeah. so we opted not to forego that session. That was the Wednesday night. Now, let, let me before. Did you forego it because the game doesn't play well if you're missing a person? No, not necessarily. Okay, not necessarily. Um, but Jim, our moderator had a baby, well, his wife had a baby, but it's his first. And so he, he was going to miss. And then we just kind of came to consensus Whereas there was a couple, like, if you're going to miss, if if we're going to skip, that's fine. Not a big deal. So I made a judgment call. We could have, we, I could have played, but you know, I think the next session for that group will be the wrap up session. And I don't. Because I think they're in front of the Goblin Cave again, so we'll see what again. they do. Goddamn goblins! Right. So I mean, if they go away from the Goblin Cave, that's fine. But I think they're they're <laughs> they're, they're going to deal with this. On, yeah, kicking the goblins' asses and getting their food back. And then I think it'll be a good wrap up to like a four, probably session four. I think so. I don't know. What, I mean, the reason I asked that question is because it just hit me. Because you and I talk about games and what we like or don't like, and that's a question we've never asked. Like, so this game plays really well. It's a good campaign. Da, 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 da. What happens when somebody's not there? Does this game facilitate that in any way? Does this game matter? I mean, is it all, or does it all come down to story or, you know, what happens when someone's missing? Do you always cancel? If you've got a three person team, one cancels. Do you always cancel? Do you, <clears throat> I don't know. Uh, not that not that the game has to solve that problem for me. I know in Gumshoe, you get points based on the number of people who are regular players, quote unquote. So, like if you had five players, but only four of them show up all the time, everybody builds the four regular player points, type of thing. Yeah. Hmm. Make them down to individual group preferences too. The, huh. Anyway, sorry. What the, else did you do? And the other group, uh, I. <laughs> talking to Harrigan and he's like, I really want to get Forbidden Lands to the table. And I said, all right, well, why don't you run Friday? And he goes, well, I wouldn't be ready. You know, there was some discussion because we're at the portal for my, the, my group, my session, my, my game, my yeah. game, our game, whatever, as me as the game master. And I just thought if he wanted to give it a go, it's like, well, I don't know, you know, if I'll be ready and you know, whatever. So you're thinking of doing that. You take care of his character. You guys step through the no, portal. No, 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 no. So we oh, put, okay. we put out four options to the players. Oh, okay. okay. One option was chicken that idea and just stick with what we're doing or, 
he takes over and then we continue with the same player characters where we are and he just takes over as the game master or we all start new characters or you know whatever so we we are all going to start new he's going to put us through the bitter reach which is a supplement for forbidden lands which is you know going through that the ass cold area of forbidden lands so he kicked it off kind of session zero all at once um and it was you know the session zero because we've been gaming for like 18 months with each other it's not there's some things we didn't have to cover necessarily and then he dove in so we went through a couple hexes and come across the house and or up uh um a a small cabin kind of thing on the river and a couple dead bodies so mm. but our, our goal is to get to the bitter reach because i'm pay i'm playing a peddler along with the other group right and there's money to be made up there brett you know there's Got opportunity it. trade stuff like that and then um so that's that's that and I haven't decided what I want to do after the first, the Wednesday night for Ben Lands group is done. I've, I've looked at Alien, I've looked at Feng Shui, um, Star Wars has entered my brain, so we'll see. I don't know. How is your cool. gaming, Brad? That's enough of mine. Well, let's see here. We've got. I have set up a uh, a game with uh, you, Stefan Dragon Spawn. Hmm and uh craig and we're gonna be i'm gonna run some avalon for you guys we're just gonna play but i've been <clears throat> i've been threatening Stefan that you and i are gonna play in a game with him for a couple years now we finally i'm like that's it god damn it we're gonna make this happen so that's coming up later this month so i'm looking forward to that cooking up some some stuff i think should be fun gonna get some pre-gens going my uh my home group we finished up the um the horn king my world of darkness horror mashup thing a lot of there wasn't time travel it was time slips there was a lot of i carried that over from a different campaign the concept of time moving poorly or things bumping in and out being phased around them so they solved that problem it was interesting they had a they finally figured out who the bad guy well they're basically two bad two bad groups the nazis which are always bad guys always and then there was there's never a good nazi no and then there was the um the guy who was the head of medtech like the, ooh, the evil corporation guy who is actually the cultist and so on and so forth so they're ah okay all right cool so they uncovered a bunch of stuff took care of the nazi problem then they went off to deal with this other dude and they put it together like wait a minute we said x y and z in front of this bad guy and he didn't know what we were talking about I think we got an edge on him. He doesn't know that we know that we have this, and he doesn't know that we also have that. So they went through a whole list of like, holy fuck, we have an advantage. So they basically went to ground. They completely hit the mattresses and disappeared. And the bad guy couldn't find them. <clears throat> and the bad guy, foolishly, and I didn't know if anybody would catch it or not, but he said, in the next 48 hours, I this thing will, you know, he's monologuing. Next 40 hours, like, oh, we can hide for two days. We can hide for two days. <laughs> and it was, they just went down, ignored everything for two days, came back and they fixed. It was, it was fixed effectively, right? The bad guy had to <clears throat> crap. Couldn't do what he needed to do because they had stolen stuff from him. By the time he figured it all out, it was too late. And they 
basically pulled a fast one and just disappeared, you know, I'll, uh, you know, what was I going to say from the, um, uh, usual suspects just disappeared. Just kind of walked off the scene and they were like, wow, that was, uh, I was at first shocked thinking, oh, they're going to be pissed because kind of, uh, no grand fights, nothing at the end. And they, they all looked at me and said, no, that was, that's exactly, that was a good ending. We, we survived, we figured it out. And that was a smart ending. We didn't decide to go toe to toe with something that was very obviously going to kill most, if not all of us. We found we we did the smart place. They were pretty pleased with themselves. <clears throat> and then I talked to them about what game we wanted to play next. And I had brought up Vason. Mm. And I said, Hey, just talked about this on the show. What do you guys think? And like, hmm, interesting. Well, what else have you got? So I said, Well, I got Simberum as well. Hmm, mm. interesting. And I said, Well, what do you guys what are you guys really hungry for? Something that we haven't done or aren't doing? And um they talked back and forth, and finally Lenny's like I think we just want a really tactical heavy minis game. I said, you guys want to play Pathfinder? Yeah. I'm like, all right, fine. So they want to play Pathfinder first edition. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. That's what you want. I had a different world that I've been brewing up for a while. I'm like, okay, you guys want to play that? Then I get to pick the world that's going to be in. Like, that sounds great. So they're in my wasteland world, which is uh, kind of a mashup of stuff from uh, the gunslinger series. So they've got six guns, craziness um there is stuff from i stole from an old john wick thing that he did back in the gaming outpost forum days um about dead gods and the world's blasted and it's a little more survivalish no clerics the bad guys you know the shadow is there and so on so forth kochi the deathless is the main villain we'll see if they ever deal with that or not but they uh they've encountered some pretty brutal stuff already there's a town that had sold all of their, um, they come into this town called new Gideon and the town had sold all of its children for their immortality. And, um, they kept welcoming the players in because they needed fresh meat to sell either to, um, make new children with, <clears throat> because they couldn't, they were like hundreds of years old at this point or, um, to sell the players as the meat. So on, so they had to do something to keep their Im- immortality going. The players sort of kind of figured it out, but they at one point went, this is fucked up <laughs> and kind of <laughs> decided to kick ass and take names. And it was, uh, a gibbering mouth or damn near laid waste to the, to the party. Just one gibbering mouth because people couldn't make their saves. And uh, it was it was a blast. But, yeah, that's what we're going to do again tomorrow. They wanted to do something super tactical. I think what this will do is it'll scratch that itch for the guys. They love uh, love pushing lead on the table, you know, having the minis and all that stuff. And then next up, I can pull out Basin or something like that. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah. Right, now let's do some theater mind stuff. They'll come right back, circle for them. So. You don't, they, are, they do not have Pathfinder 2nd Edition, correct? No. I, I had a copy of it a while back. I'd... I got in a, like an Uber discounted version of it. I started reading it. I was explaining it to the group. They're like, no. Mm. Like, yeah, look, this is how this kind of works. I'm like, mm. we already have a lot of stuff invested in first edition. I really, we like it. We like the, the way it works, the way it flows. Whenever we get the hankering for that, that's what we want to play. I'm like, okay, fine by me. And I didn't have anybody else to play with. So I had like the, Coral book and a monster man. I read through it. I'm like, why do I have this still? I sold it. So, but I got it for next to nothing. 
You let him off easy, Brett. I would have thought you could have thrown probably a good hardback at him physically and then said, hey, you want to run tactical? Then you want to play that? Then you run this crap. Bust my ass over here. Give him, give, give him the lay on the guilt. And Well, I think I, I said this before, man. I just man, did dude. an episode on Basin touting how great it was, and now you yeah. assholes want to, we'll okay, do this I see me. how it is. Yeah. Well, the cool thing is that, I was explaining this to AJ, as I said it here on the show before, is I told AJ what the game is. He goes, ooh, doesn't want to have a lot of blah, 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 key is. That's their problem, not mine. I said, I'm the game master. I can break the rules whenever I feel like it. I can modify, change, delete. I said, I just got to brush up on the core. What's the CMD, CMB, you know, stats, movement, blah, blah, blah. The basics after that, monsters are mine to tinker with. It's my world. It's a world that I developed and created that's different. It's not standard boilerplate, whatever. I said, so that's the, the heavy duty crunch is all on them. Whenever they level up, good, good, go for that. Go, go have your fun leveling up, do that thing. Yeah. Just get the cobalt, <clears throat> the, you know, the cobalt publishing monster, Toma monsters. And you know, they're, you're good. To oh, go. I have the, um, I have the, um, Toma horrors. Yeah. Toma horrors. Yeah. Just so I pull that sucker out and it was Tuesday. I'm not using the regular monsters at all really it's everything slightly modified or tweaked it's going to be it's going to be horrible and i pulled some shit out of an old uh, couple lamentations of flame princess modules that i have um that i stole some things from as well so that's it's fun so far it's so good so we'll see how long they last <laughs> the worst part about this type of thing though is this is when um a couple of my players, they love building up their character and they see all the potential. They spend all this time building, crafting character, right? You know, moving the points around. And then when you die, it's all the more terrifying <laughs> because you spent all this time building this character up and then they croak. So we'll see what happens. But they've already learned that uh, life is initially cheap. You're going to die all the time right away, you know, like insta death type of thing. But it's not a lot of punches being pulled. They got to play smart. Yeah. So. <clears throat> so that was cool. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I don't think there was anything else really super insane going on. So, what the hell are we doing this week? Oh yeah, I'm running a game for you, aren't I? So, this is at the point in the regular episode for seven plus years where we would go into random encounter. Yep, we're not doing that tonight. And then after random encounter. Probably takes up 20 minutes, maybe sometimes. Going to a main topic. Not doing that tonight. Then after that, we'll do typically die roll, which is usually another five minutes or so. And then we talk about what we're going to do in the next episode. We're not doing that tonight either. We're crazy. We're living on the edge, baby. You can teach old dogs new tricks. That's, that's, the, that's the whole thing. It's like, if you don't get anything out of this episode, it's, hey, you can't teach old dogs new tricks. Yeah, and sometimes and sometimes it's like, well, it looked like he rolled over. He kind of tried. <laughs> <laughs> look, at, look at that guy. I can't tell if he's got his arthritis kicked in or whatever, but ah, old Rex, he gave it a good go. He's he's trying to roll over. Good for him. Speaking, you know what? He gets a treat anyway. Speaking treat. of old Rex, my my Jumbo is like, my, my wife was telling me Jumbo is like 15 years old. I'm like, no way. Yeah, that cat's been around. Been around. Yeah, a long time, dude. Yeah, and she's like, "No, I'm 15." I'm like, "Well, he's he was, you know, we rescued him, but you know, he's still going. Like that guy can't, he can't go. He's my, he's my boy. Anyways, that's my jumbo, uh, my cat. Anyways, 
So what we're we're gonna do setting. Uh, and this, when Sean says cat, he means NFL football with feet. Twenty nine pounder. He's uh, he's come <laughs> yeah. down a little bit. Well, he's built like a rugby ball. You he's, know, he really is <laughs> like a big bear. Anyways. Yeah. So what we're going to do is Brett in the last episode said, and we were talking, we've mentioned this on and off. I've mentioned it on and off through other, you know, through the streams on Saturday where game master podcasts like us tell you all kinds of things. We can go into, Hey, how do you get your players to interact with lore? Hey, GM screen, GM fiat, player agency, uh, you know, all 377, 378 episodes. But you still get game masters that start out, dungeon masters that start out, and they get really super nervous. They 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 don't know how much to plan. They plan too much. People like us are giving them 50 different ways to do things, tons of advice, and they're getting overwhelmed. And then when they get to the table, they kind of get into their own groove, and then they kind of hone it as a craft, some of us. And so one of the things that people brought up, and, and there, I think there's a, a market for it to some degree, is, okay, Brett's going to run a game or a scenario. I'm going to be the player. And he's going to, in real time, kind of mention why he's making the decisions or how as he's running the game. Some of us, you know, this is going to make sense. Some of us are going to agree with how Brett, I mean, agree, disagree. When you look at Matt Mercer run a game of critical role, you're not quite sure what's going on in his brain. You don't know if he's reading it from a script, like he's got, you know, like a module that he's got written out. You know, if he's got some notes. I mean, I know he's got a, a legal pad, but you're not, if a character zigs to your zag and you need to adjust, is there a compensation for that? And is that input in place? Did they plan for that or did they not? Or did they have to kind of fly by the seat of their pants and inject something into the game to make it kind of make it go? Um, and so we're, I was talking to Brett and Brett's like, yeah, we could do that. We'll make up two, two characters, Sean, and then I'll run you through something. So I don't know if this is going to be like an hour. I don't, we're not going to go like two hours because Brett and I've got stuff to do. Right, it's gonna be. It'll be a longer show, though. I can almost might be. You. Yeah, might be a longer show. <clears throat> Honestly, wouldn't doubt that it could go two hours, dude. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Okay. Um, part of the, part of the interesting thing when you do any kind of an actual play live, I, I found this out doing it with with um, the Avalon actual plays is sometimes you're like, wow, that that was quick. Like other times, like holy shit, that was four hours. <laughs> oh my god, we played for four hours. You know, and you're recording it and then doing whatever it is you're doing with it afterwards. Sometimes it, it goes fast. Sometimes it takes a while. So. This is the, um, <clears throat> so I guess I've got some like preamble intro stuff, Sean, if you're good with it, I want, I could kind of get going and when you start talking. So we should, but I want to set this up because, mm -hmm. okay. So normally, or maybe not normally, there might be a session zero. Some have done yep. it in line with a session one. Some have done <clears throat> it as its own thing, standalone. And in session zero, you can cover a lot of different things. Some people don't run in sessions early. They just say, hey, do this. Okay. But in and what session, you and I, yeah. yeah and what, what you and I did with session zero here was um, off the mics. We talked about this um, between the last couple of shows. And we agreed that, hey, this is how we're going to go about this. <clears throat> and part of the how we're going to go about it is like, look, I'm going to 
lean in and say, okay, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. So on and so forth. And then I need you, Sean, to play straight and play the characters and ignore the fact that I'm giving away something, right? Because I can't, I don't know. We, we didn't, we don't have a better way to do it. Right. right and Sean, not, I figured you could not have picked a more professional level player. Exactly. Consummate professional. Yes, yes. Yes. And that's why, that's why I told Sean, I'm like, I know you, I trust you. I love you. Like my brother, you've got this. I would I didn't never tell Sean, use I don't that information. Brother, I would never use that information <laughs> to my advantage. Like, what would mm-hmm, be what would mm-hmm. be the point? To win. <clears throat> so, so what, <laughs> what we <laughs> talked about last time was the same type of thing Sean and I talked about off the mic. Was that he said, well, "What would we do?" I said, "Well, let's just do a five E game. It's it's pretty. It, it's easy enough. It's right. We both know the rules really well. We don't have to go through." How does this work? So on and so forth. Or I could say, hey, give me a certain check. We roll with advantage. Sean understands what advantage means. And then I said, hey, make one or two characters. What do you think? He said, I think I'll make two. And I give, I'd give, i given him the parameters of stick with the core book. Dude, you said to make up two. <clears throat> well, we t- this is beforehand. Oh, okay. And then I said, you know, you could then whatever you want to do. He's like, I think I'll make two. And I said, yeah, sounds good. Make two. So uh, when we were on the mics, we said, okay, Sean, make two. Then Sean hit me with, "What book should I use?" Like, ah, yeah, yeah, it's a good fucking point. There's a, there's a number of. Well, it's gonna make books. a Goliath barbarian juggernaut, yeah, yeah Hulkbuster yeah. character. <clears throat> yes, who's yeah. also half Demo Dad Drow. Um, yes, but we decided to stop that, and we just stuck with the core rule book just for simplicity's sake. Because <laughs> I don't like some of that. I don't like. I don't like some of that horrible shit. <clears throat> um. <laughs> And then Sean had asked me, he's like, well, what do you, um, what do you have planned? And I said, you know what? I, I want to prep for this one the same way I would prep for any type of campaign. I'm like, oh, I've got an adventure to run. What am I going to do? Um, the guys are making characters, or in this t- case, one of my friends is making a character. We have just enough time to run a one shot. What am I going to do? So <clears throat> my prep over the last, since we announced it two weeks ago, between then and now, I've been thinking through my head about what would be fun what type of encounters would be entertaining would it be like a three-room dungeon would it be a building would it be a a hex crawly type of thing what what type of adventure do i want to run that would be fun for me and i think sean would enjoy so i just it's all been mental notes every once in a while i would um write something down like longhand on a piece of paper and then as the day got closer like today i'm like okay gotta run tonight I have these monsters in my head that I thought would be fun types of encounters. What would be the most fun? What do I really, really want to do? So we sat down. I'm like, okay, you know what? I'll see what Sean's made. So he's made a bard, Lard the Bard, and a human in a dwarven paladin called Dirk Dugooder. Awesome. Good names. Good names. Consummate professional, professional boy. And I said, oh, okay, that's interesting. We've got a human bard and a paladin. Dwarven Paladin. So I'm like, okay, that's kind of cool. We got a holy thing going on. We got a lore master, entertainer type of person. So then my head went to, well, I should just use the Copper Cup, which is a standard name I've used for fantasy taverns. I'm like, okay, ah, I got it. So on this piece of paper here, I wrote down at the beginning of the show, a little, this is a little scribble up in the corner of an inn, two-story inn, basement another little sub thing under the basement i've got a list of npc names who the owner is who the cook a bad guy and a couple question marks that i don't that around you know is this person dead is this person trapped is this person a cleric that type of stuff 
<clears throat> and then the other thing I like to do is I went through and I grabbed my monster manual and I've got um, a couple different um, bookmarks in it, like saying, hey, if this comes up and this feels like the right time, I want to know exactly where this creature is, this one and this one. And creature could be anything from, hey, that has brigands and other things in the back. I want the stats for it because I just, oh, just in case I want to reference it for some reason. Things I think are gonna, I'm going to want in my quiver. And the other thing I like to have is a player's handbook because running multiple different games, the character sheet in the back of it, if I don't, I didn't happen to have a uh, printed out 5e character sheet, but it has the character sheet in the back of it. So when I tell Sean, give me a uh, medicine check, it is not like a doctor check or a, or a health check or something like that. It's called medicine in this game. It's called survival. It's called stealth. Um, <clears throat> perception versus hear noise and so forth. I just want to try to utilize the same type of things. And um, I also got in my head, I'm like, you know what? Depending on what we run into, I, I might need to remember all the conditions. There's conditions of being grappled, blinded, incapacitated, paralyzed, um, charmed, deafened, and so forth. I'm like, all right, I want to make sure I've got that handy. So I've got that stuff over here on the side. But otherwise, I told Sean, you know, I got my handful of my dice right here on my table. Good enough for me. Sean, being the consummate professional he is, um, I assume he can roll his own dice, and I can trust what he tells me that he rolls, and we should be fine. So, Sean... That's kind of what I did just raw prep wise to make something happen tonight. Was there any, apart from making the characters, was there anything you did? So I, I crowdsourced a little bit mm. and uh, I want to, want to thank everybody that submitted ideas to include Fripple, Lectus, Fightor from Fighterland, whose parents oh. were killed by, by Oryx. Ah, Missed classic. opportunity on that one, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, half orc bard manager of a dragonborn mercenary uh, a couple of characters named hobbs and edwin uh simgern and uh valina and then two human clerics of life domain out to smite heathens um all all close runners up um but i streamed saturday and uh michael o'holland roger and radalk were key in helping me choose the characters that I will be portraying this evening in this oh, short adventure. Sure. Yes. <clears throat> so. Awesome. <clears throat> you ready, man? I am. I am ready. Uh, I think I am ready. Sure. Uh, nice catch character sheets. You're good. I do have my character sheets. I have them on D and D beyond. <laughs> oh, do you? Okay. And I'll be rolling from there. The, 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 the folks that can watch this video will, will, will be there and see the roles, but we'll, I'll mention what the results are, obviously, for those. I guess I'll, I'll need to know. You will need to know because you cannot see my <laughs> d d Beyond. All right. So when I start off a new game like this, one of the first thing when you, even if it's just a little brief one shot, I'm like, okay, so I've got a bard, Lard the Bard, and Dirk Do Gooder, the Dwarven Paladin. So, Sean, tell me about the Paladin. What is, um, what type of god does he worship? Is it a is he that um, Judge Dread type of paladin? Is he a Batman type of paladin? Is he Captain America? What do you or what? How do you how do you see him? How how does he exhibit his paladinness? Well, that's a good question, Brett. I would say that Dirk Dugooder. He is um, his background. I believe I picked. Where did I pick his background? Oh, 
folk hero. He's a folk, folk hero. hero. Yeah, okay. So comes okay. from the ranks of the common folk, then uh, fit in among them with ease. So I, I see him as kind of a, a simple guy. Uh, kind of probably not realizing that the, he's not the knight in shining armor, but he's, you know, he's still going to do the good, the right thing. I don't think he understands his role in the greater world of things. I think he okay. finds himself as kind of a simple guy that still can hold his own and, and has a kind of a faith that's kind of personal to him. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I like it. So the bard, yeah. the human bard, lard the bard. And, oh, that should, we should probably stipulate Dirk uh, Do-Gooder is a dwarf. Yes. Yep. yep. Dirk Do-Gooder yep. the dwarf. Yes. The triple D. Yes. Triple D as he's affectionately okay. known. Yeah. So Lard the bard, what's he like? He's a human. He is a human. Lard the bard, he's kind of a grifter. Okay. Yeah, he carries a, a deck of cards with him, shuffles them around, and does. Sometimes he'll do the shell game, you know. Oh, a little three card Monty, all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little little wheeler and a dealer. Uh, so how the how the heck did the um, a grifter get hooked up with a paladin? Why are these two guys together? Well, see, I think the I think Dirk Do Gooder or or Two D or maybe Three D if you want to call him Three D. All right. He's kind of naive to the bigger, bigger world. So if he finds himself like in an urban landscape, that would be Lard the Bard and and his his kind of okay. domain. Um because cause Lard is a bit of a charlatan, so what his background is. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I asked that question not only just because one, it's interesting. I want to see if Sean actually came up with anything, but two, I'm a, I took notes on that. So I'm a little note. I the biggest, most important thing from the paladin for me was I wrote naive, and then unassuming. That was just how I took him to be, and unassuming to me and naive when he walks into wherever he's. I'm going to have these guys walk into. The patrons don't turn and go, "Oh, it's a paladin!" Right? He just he melds he blends he doesn't have that glowing type of thing that some some folks when they play paladins like to do and knowing that i've got a grifter and a bit of a charlatan <laughs> i have three cm three card monty a little on that uh yeah excuse me acronym here on the side i'm like okay so interesting and the fact that one of them is naive indicates that he probably to me, anyway, when I say something, if I'm going to try to give a little narrative or anything along those lines, I want to be able to play towards those things, um, either as the NPCs are talking to him or if I think Sean needs help. Like, what would my character do in this situation? The more I know about the character, the more I can poke him potentially in the right direction. So that's why I ask those questions. All right, cool. Anything else you need to know, Sean, up, up front? Or otherwise, you good? I think I'm good so far. <clears throat> All right, man. So... So it is late winter, early spring. <clears throat> you guys are on the road. You've got a job in um, in Lone Pine. In Lone Pine is it's not that far away from uh, Newmark, the city you're just leaving, but it's far enough that you know you're going to have to stop at the Copper Cup. It's an inn between the two places. <clears throat> Pretty popular place for the overnight. 
if you guys had horses or a wagon, you could probably, you could push it and maybe make the whole journey from Newmark to Lone Pine in a day, you know, rolling in there, but you're on foot. You just don't have enough coin yet to get to, uh, to get to Lone Pine. So, you know, you're going to have to overnight at the Copper Cup. It's just not, not safe to be wandering around the dark for quite that long. The reason you guys are heading over to Lone Pine <clears throat> is um, two, there's two things going on there. Number one is that there's some mercenary work that the bard, Lord the Bard has heard about. There's potential there that you guys could get some, uh, you know, wagon guarding, you know, that type of mercenary work, you know, guards for hire, stuff like that. Coin to be made. You guys aren't the richest of folks right now. And the other reason is this is the one most likely I would assume <clears throat> that Lard probably told Dirk about this or Dirk told Lard of that there is a small contingent of uh, dwarves in Lone Pine and this group of dwarves is in need of some assistance. They've apparently got a problem of some sort and um, they're, they're looking for some help. And of course, they've put up a sizable reward, at least according to rumors, of something you guys could get at. Sounds great. So, so for all intents and purposes, I just made all that shit up. Um, 100%. <laughs> I've used Newmark is a city I've used multiple times in many campaigns. Lone Pine is, um, I use that one, that name specifically, is a little town outside of something else. Lone indicating that it's lonely and pine woods forest. So people usually get a vision in their head of what that looks like just because of those two words, not like they're overly evocative, but that's what I do. Um, because the adventure itself is going to take place between the two locations at the Copper Cup. I wanted to give them a reason to be traveling from point A to point B. So because because I know Sean is is going with this, I don't have to give him a rock solid like you're going to get 20 gold pieces per day if you go there and help the dwarves or, you know, 16 gems if you... Um, become a mercenary captain or something along those lines. I could just tell him what he's going there to do and my assumption is then Sean can role play that through any other encounters he has. So that's why I brought those pieces out. All right, Sean. <clears throat> so as you guys are cruising along, I shouldn't say cruising along, walking along, it's gone from a, a march to a walk to a slog, um, a sloshy, muddy, nasty slog. Um, just as it's starting to get on to dinner time, the clouds have opened up. They've rolled in. You've heard the thunder, seen the lightning. It starts off as the pitter patter, the light spring rain that late winter rain and then from there it turns into a good old-fashioned um wisconsin sleep fest right where it's coming down nasty it hits you and everything's starting to freeze so <clears throat> i <laughs> the the, uh, the bard you know he's he's gonna he's, the the cloak and everything's gonna be crusted over with ice the dwarf's gonna have like icicles hanging in his beard and uh after a while walking is just annoying it's a crunch crunch just one wet boot through the frozen mud after another after another flash of lightning and in the distance off the right hand side you see the copper cup it's a small two-story when i say small it's kind of a little <clears throat> uh cracker box style right it's just a little square building goes two stories high it has a small stable um the lights are on inside the shutters are drawn keeping out the rain and stuff and you can see in the last lightning stroke the smoke rising from the chimney and so on and little copper cup placard is out there hanging in the in the wind and getting the shit beat out of it by the rest of the sleet and hail as it goes so anything you want to do before you head in or you just go straight in go straight to the copper cup man i want to get out of this crappy weather 
All right. You guys uh, open the door. Just walk in. Anything you want to do? Any particular way you wish to enter? Uh, not not blowing the door open. Just entering normally, uh, nonchalantly. I would say that Lard the Bard is probably leading the way because he's got a little more confidence than uh, Dirk. So from a does he play? What kind of instrument does he play? Or is a he a, just a singer? A lute? Yes. Okay. Okay. So I'd assume he had his loot stored under the old cloak and such on the ro- on the way here, because otherwise it'd be he frozen. Does. Yes. Okay. Puts it in a uh, a leather wrapping of a case. Okay. Yeah. Got it. All right. So Lard opens the door. He walks in. Dirk will no doubt shuffle in behind him. The heat from inside is super pleasant, right? It hits you, and you could just you could feel the dripping <laughs> from the beard, from the clothes, everything else. Like, okay, this is good. It's it's nice. Um, it's not a it's not a big big place, as I said. A little small cracker box type of building, a little square. You see, um, the guy Halleth is the owner. You see him; he's pretty well known as the owner of the Copper Cup. <clears throat> Runs a pretty good ship. People are happy to see him. Pretty. Standard jovial um, medieval tavern owner that you would see in in fantasy stories, right? <clears throat> he sees you, hails you, shut the door, shut the door. It's cold out there. Oh, come in, warm yourselves. Get down by the fire. I'll send someone down with drinks and food. Just sit, sit, sit. Kind of ushers you guys right over there. Yeah, shut the door and make our way towards the <clears throat> the fire. Uh... Plenty of different eyes on you, you know, just the the locals, the patrons, or whoever's just kind of staring you, staring at you. Who are you? Do they know you, and so forth? Are you checking anybody out, or just kind of keep it to yourself? Keep to myself. Dirk nods to acknowledge any anybody that's kind of staring at him. He kind of just nods at him and minds his own business. Um, <clears throat> meanwhile, Lard is probably taking taking a little bit more in, like. I wonder what their story is, you know, and I've got a little bit more of an attitude with him, but uh, doesn't, doesn't go out of his way to ruffle any feathers necessarily. If somebody catches his eye, that's a little bit more disgruntled than others. He'll, he'll call him out and say, Hey, good evening. I see. Give me a, give me a perception check there. Let me know what you get from From Lard the Bard. Yeah. Lard the Bard. See what he's got. I got a I got a twenty. Holy crap. Uh, modified, modified, modified modified twenty. 20. Yeah. Not that I mean natural twenty doesn't really do right. anything in but still. Yeah. For skill checks, but okay. So Dirk has gone Dirk has gone through kind of nodded people and so forth. There's a couple, um there is a couple, um, look like your standard farmer type, um, husband, wife. They've got um a younger child with them and a couple smaller kids. They're sitting down close to the fire. And uh, the youngest child, the uh, little girl, is like staring at Dirk, and she seems really, really in- just enthralled by the fact that he's a dwarf. Then when he gives her the "Hey, how are you doing?" little thing type of type of nod, she she kind of squeals and hides behind her mom. And her mom looks at you and says, "I'm sorry, don't pay any attention." She doesn't she doesn't see a lot of outsiders and and um and uh, dwarf dwarfs. She just doesn't see a lot of a lot of dwarves. No, no offense, no offense, uh, no offense. None taken. I just am a little shorter than <clears throat> most people, but uh, I mean no harm to anyone. Uh, you're okay, <laughs> little one. Nothing. Uh, I mean no. I'm in no trouble. I mean no harm. Awesome. So one of the people, 
However, as as Lard the Bard is looking across the room, kind of eyeball and so forth, um, there's a gentleman in the corner eating soup, very much keeping to himself, and it is a classic. I am I'm I'm a dark mysterious stranger in the corner, keeping to myself. Very, very obviously so. There is a brief flick of the eyes up from the hood to see you. It's a <clears throat> narrow, kind of a rat-faced individual, thin, patchy beard, and a definitive scar on the left, excuse me, the right the right side of the face. Hmm. How far away is he from uh, Lard? Um, you'd have to walk across the room. He figures about maybe 10 feet. You'd have to... You could... You could sh- kind of uh, make your way around the room and not make it too obvious if that's what you're trying to do. Keep an eye on him. Is he, uh, do I find him suspicious or just kind of a loner? It, he's either... <laughs> it's suspicious insofar as that the warmest place is where mm. everybody else is. He's he's away from the fire. He's not as close to it as everybody else. Um, so the fact that he's purposely staying away from people seems odd to you, especially in a cold, wet, terrible night like this. Okay. So me as the player giving Brett bringing that up to me, I figure there's probably something to do with this guy. I mean, I could as Lard probably maybe befriend the little children and play some tricks with them, but this guy in the corner has me intrigued. So I think I'm going to go see what's up with that guy. Awesome. I, uh, I'm going to go, I'll just, um, look around and I take off my coat and, uh, lay some, some of my gear down by Dirk. And I say, Hey, uh, Hey buddy, make sure you watch my stuff. As, uh, Dirk just kind of nods at him and then Lard takes out his loot, kind of starts unwrapping it. And then once it's unwrapped, he folds up the leather wrapping and sticks it back in his packs. He grabs his loot. He just kind of starts tuning, strums it a little bit, tunes it a little bit, starts walking around the tavern and then uh, probably makes his way over there as he looks at a few people as he's tuning and uh, just seeing, you know, kind of being nonchalant, but knowing he's starting to get the, the notice and then makes his way over by the the guy and says hey you seem alone could probably nice. use a maybe use a little I don't know maybe a little song hey <laughs> nice very nice if the if the warmth of the hearth isn't gonna warm your bones maybe the soup and maybe a friendly tune what do you say friend nice so what I did was when Sean came in, he talked about how he wanted to to um, walk into the bar um, with Lard up front. Oh, that's loud, dude. Sorry. Um, so we wanted to have Lard up front and, and Dirk being naive and um, a little more, pa- not passive, but just blending in. I asked him what he wanted to do as he saw people looking at him and so forth. And the fact that Dirk kind of was just like, hey, not smile. But Lard was looking for something a little bit more. That's why I had him roll perception. All I wanted to do was to have him give me a number somewhere uh, from 10 and up. If he had rolled under 10, he would have not noticed anything. Um, by rolling an unmodified 20, I decided that he would definitely see the most interesting looking person is there and that everything else is very uninteresting or very, very blah. 
he would not have um not, not have been like you know caught up in something else or whatever the case was it's an opportunity when a character walks into a bar like that or any kind of social situation i want them to interact and be aware of the people without me having to force people on them uh, what are you doing as you go are you looking at people leading question leading question and then roll the dice based on that give them a bunch of information so <clears throat> so you talked to uh, you mentioned to the you know the whole song bit and are you lonely come hang out you know or whatnot um <clears throat> the guy looks up at you and smiles he's um got kind of he's got kind of a wicked looking smile you know kind of like a you know like his mouth has been cut open with a razor blade type of face you know and uh it says like look friend i don't know what you think you're doing but um i'm over here for a reason you just go back over there and play the locals no problem friend i will uh Sounds good. Don't mean to intrude. As you walk away, he um, does it very advertently um, moves his coin purse. Like he is making a very obvious show that he thought or thinks that you might be some kind of a thief. You were positive, again, based on the earlier role, he, that was done specifically to insult you. Friend. I am a, I'm a musician, thespian. I do not need your money. If I needed your money, I would challenge you to a game of cards or something along those lines. A few people are starting to call out for different local fa local favorites, you know. Hmm. Excellent. Yes, of course. Uh, I think I know that one. Uh, you over in the corner. Sure. Let me think. So it goes something like this. <laughs> I believe so. Very nice. I tell you about a story about a dwarf named Dirk. <laughs> That's probably the point when I could see Dirk's face getting like really red, but he's head down. Oh God, I hate this one. I hate yeah, this pretty one. much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this, this isn't my bag. Stop doing this. Stop doing this. <laughs> <clears throat> so at this point, you're going to be entertaining people, playing music, and so forth. What's Dirk up to? Is he just kind of sitting back, watching? Yeah, I think he's just kind of taking it all in and, and trying to be mind his own business with his obnoxious sidekick, trying to take over the room. Um, so he tries to get the attention of a, of a server to maybe get some food. Okay. Um, one of the serving, uh, one of the serving kids comes over, um, it's Hal's son and, uh, plumps down a nice beer in front of you, some warm bread, butter, um, some stew, um, says, you know, this is, this is what we have this evening. Hope it, hope it serves you well. Anything else you need room for the night? Oh, that would be, uh, she's asking Dirk. Oh, uh, that would be great. Yep. Yes. Room, uh, oh, I, uh. It's too cold to stay outside. So, room would do well. Okay, the young boy says, "Yep, we've got a we've got a spare place uh, just upstairs. The other places are full, so it'll be um, it'll be you. You'll have to uh, bunk with your bunk with your friend, but I think it'll be it'll be cozy but comfortable." Oh, it's fine. <clears throat> Thank you very much, Dirk. As you as that as the serving boy is walking away, you hear the the little girl. Um, 
she's complaining and whining and doesn't want to eat. And her, her mom is like, you need to eat that. You need to eat that. Come on now. And her dad's getting annoyed. And the older brother is getting kind of like, oh, for God's sakes, every night, every night. Um, you distinctly hear her say, I don't want to eat the fingers. And the mom says, hush, stop, stop being silly. Stop. There's no nonsense. No nonsense. Tom. We pr you promise no nonsense. Just eat your soup. And she just looks forlorn, just kind of slopping at it with her spoon, just kind of sipping the broth and looking upset. Oh, you little one. You're talking about fingers. The little wieners, like hot dogs, sausages. No, she puts a, she's scoop, puts her um, spoon in and picks up and it looks like a human finger. And she says this, and her mom shrieks. And she goes, and she screams, slaps the spoon out of her daughter's hand. This finger goes flying over towards the fire, flop like like sounds like a hot dog hitting the hardwood floor, right? <clears throat> she shrieks. That's going to cut your music short for Lard. And um, the girl, the girl just looks up at her mom and said, "I told you." Her dad pounds the table. Wham! Helleth, get out here! What the hell are you doing back there? <clears throat> Aleth comes out from behind the bar. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. What's what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Dirk. Yeah, Dirk stands up, like he jumps back and pushes himself away from the table. He says, Hey, what are you trying to serve here? There's a finger in this uh, soup. Where? There's nothing there. Alice is like stirring the soup. Like, look, look, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Is it fine? Oh, the, it, yeah, the finger's over by the fireplace. I go over to grab the finger. Okay, go down, pick it up. Yeah, I said, look at this thing. Does this look like a carrot? <laughs> he just, his eyes get wide, and um, his mouth just starts to have no idea how that got there. Oh, good Lord. Like, Krillin, Krillin, damn you. Get out here, man. Get that guy out there. Hopefully, he's part of the health inspector. So, Lard, give me a perception check. Mm. You sneaky little bugger. Perception. Where are you, Lard? I rolled a four. Ah, very good. Good. You, in the middle of the uproar, kind of like, ooh, I wonder what, and you look over the corner and the guy's gone. Everybody's milling around and things are moving, but that cloaked rat face, you know, knife scarred looking dude is not in the corner anymore. And after that, though, everything comes. I mean, Corellan, the cook, comes rolling out from behind um, tall guy. And he just looks like, what the hell? I, I don't understand. I, what's going on? Who's yelling at what? So before I go any further, um, I had this idea in my head earlier on that I'm like, I want some kind of a, a crazy incident. Um, something that would get people's attention right away. Um, I have done a lot of different, like a siege of an inn where you're there and some outside force tries to come in and apply pressure. What's happening here is that there's an inside force applying external pressure and people are going to want to either flee, solve the problem or figure out what's going on. And um, sometimes I, I, <clears throat> having the child like sick and die is something I've done before because usually, um, Depending who's playing with me, I can um, you can endanger a kid, and they might be like, "Oh gosh, we have to save the children." And sometimes people don't tolerate that at all. I've played Bashan for a number of years now, so I know I could probably go further and in, in some directions, whatever. But I'm like, I don't need to kill the kid to drive the to drive home what I'm thinking about doing. 
So what I wanted to do is just have something crazy, but obviously needs to be addressed. It's not like this tastes funny or something weird like that. It's a very obviously bad, evil thing to have a person's finger in your soup. So I figured that would get Sean's attention. All right. So Corellin comes boiling out from, as I said, from the kitchen. And he's like, I don't understand what's going on, so on and so forth. Halleth has this dismembered finger, and he's waving it under Corellin's nose like, you show me your hands, damn you. Show me all your show me hands. He's like, I have all my fingers. I have all my fingers. I have no idea what that's from. So there's a lot of um, very disorganized yelling, blustering. The father is threatening to to kill somebody. The mother is screaming. The daughter just as the daughter's like, I told you this. She kind of has that child's innocence. Like, I just look, I told you I didn't want to eat it. And there were fingers in it. And uh, but the the rest of the folks within the inn are in that. It's very chaotic right now. Somebody needs to do something if there's going to be hey, any kind of order figured out here. Dirk, what do you want to do? Lord, you got to do something. It's about okay. to get out of control. Play something, uh, whatever. I, I suppose I could uh, whip up something, uh, perhaps. Uh, and so he tries to, uh, Lard starts strumming the lute again, and and uh, Dirk says, uh, uh, maybe settle down, everybody, and, and, and nothing to be alarmed about. Maybe it's just a mistake, and perhaps my friend can play a tune for you. Uh, we'll pick up where we left off. Lard! Is Dirk is Dirk trying to have a commanding presence here? Or is he just trying to kind of? He's uh, trying as best as he can, being the is he a little char- little charisma yeah, play here. Is that maybe. what he's trying to do? Yeah, he's probably trying to persuade him to. Uh, yeah, you know. All right. So before Sean gives me the persuasion check, the reason I asked that <clears throat> is because he said Dirk is naive and Dirk is also very unassuming. So if he's trying to do something, it makes sense to me that one, he went to Lard to try to get a little background music to draw attention to the to the pair, draw some attention off of the Paladin because he's a naive, unassuming guy. But yet, if the dwarf is trying to get people to listen to him, I was curious as to how he wanted to do it. Did he want to do it like a persuasion or was he going to do some sort of a booming intimidation, right, where he wanted to drive people towards something? So that's why I'd asked. All right, Sean, so give me a persuasion check. Nice. All right, so the group starts to calm down. You know, even even a moderately nervous dwarf, um, when he when he, he or she chooses to speak up, they're fairly loud, right? So you're like, okay, calm down, calm down, everything you just said. Um, Lard starts a little background music, I'm assuming, as you Lard, indicated. Lard picks a tune so, that he knows that Dirk <clears throat> will know. Dirk comes in every okay. once in a while, and does, he's always never wanting to like really crank out in the into song. But Lard Lard okay. knows like kind of he's like oh it's got a kind of catchy catchy rhythm to it, and uh, he starts playing that, and he kind of pokes pokes at at Dirk a little bit and says, "Come on, I know you know it. Come on, I know you know it." Try to get him to, th- yeah. to pick a theme song, yeah, and Dirk's kind of like. <laughs> Uh, and he starts to to maybe sing his own little personal tune because Dirk's got a little performance in him. All right. People start calming down. Halith and Corellin have come to the agreement that there's something obviously is going on in the kitchen. They don't know what it is, but by God, they're going to go figure it out. Everybody, please stay calm. Um, Halith has called um, his son Quinn 
over um the younger boy who was helping you out he's called quinn over and between he corellan and quinn they're checking everybody's food that's out there right now they're going through actively you know dumping stew out checking for for <laughs> body parts and so forth um let's see here dirk and lard give me perception checks the pair of you dirk rolls a 16 and lard rolled a 16 as well I had the role is because, of course, there's something going on, but there's enough activity happening between Halith, Quinn, and Corellin roaming around the inn, doing stuff, talking to people. A lot of uh, kind of a little bit of a huckabuck going on here. Plus, Lard and Dirk are kind of half performing, half watching. I felt this wasn't a gimme. I wanted to make sure I had to take a check here. So, in during all of this confusion and so forth, you guys see the kitchen door shut. As far as you know, there's no one else back there because Corell and the cook is out here. You don't believe anybody else would be back there. You didn't see anybody go through, but definitely somebody or something has pulled that door shut. And you can no longer see into the kitchen. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, I, uh, both of them notice that? Yep, they both see that. It's kind of like one sees it, the other sees it, they do the eye look. Oh, yeah, yeah, you saw that? I saw that too. Hmm. All right, so, um, Aslard is strumming away. Dirk said he's, he incorporates it into the song that he's singing. Kind of like, hey, you know, he's, he's kind of singing about, you know, his village and I don't know, some, some person that he admired from his village who okay. was, was supposed to, or was known to uh, take off from the village and traveled under a mountain and killed a huge troll and came back and was okay. this famous person. And as right. he's singing that, he's like, old Cleegan. He was a good man. He came back and slayed that troll. But somebody like you should get back in the kitchen to cook us some really warm food. <laughs> nice. Yes, so you. A, I'm talking to you. <laughs> what is your name, All Mr. Right. Chef? All right. Um, so you try to persuade through song to get people to go back there and take a look at it. Yeah, I'm uh, like try it. now at this point, like Dirk's like, okay, I think every I think everyone's every everybody's okay. Just calm down. Maybe get back in the kitchen and cook some food for some of the people out here, like myself. I could probably get some more. If you if you put food in their pie holes, maybe all this will Shut them all up. All right. So as a as a game master, um, I have no idea why the fuck Sean thinks this is hilarious. No, I'm kidding. Um, so <laughs> pull kid Sean. So I did not know how Sean was going to play the bard. What he's doing now is um, one of the things that I have. I usually have in my back pocket. What can I do if the players don't take action when I think they should? I've run this type of encounter before. 
And normally what happens, especially if you have two characters, one character stays out here to keep an eye on everybody and they, the player will send back or one of the other players will send their character into the kitchen without an NPC. Um, Sean apparently is trying to get the NPCs to do his dirty work for him and have them go back and check it out. So in order to um, kick the things up a notch, I got to do something to get Sean more active because from my perspective, I'm like, he's not doing anything. He's doing some stuff, but he seems more passive than I think maybe he wants to be, or he's not interested in it, or I'm hoping he could be a little bit more active. So I'm thinking maybe he's bored. So in order to kick it up a notch, I do this. <clears throat> all right. So Corellan gets Corellan hears you guys talk. Is all right. I'm going to head back to the kitchen. Let's let's go back there, Marith. Let's go take a look in the kitchen. I can prove to you everything's fine. He points at the father. Like you can come with me too if you want to. And he's like, well, I don't know. It's not really so. The, the there's a small crowd of people with Marith and Halleth. Excuse me, Corellan and Halleth heading towards the uh, heading towards the kitchen. They're going to check things out back there. There is a god-awful scream from upstairs where the rooms are. There's a shriek from up there. There's a thump, a bang. It's like somebody took a chest of drawers and smashed it to the floor. And then there's a crashing in the hallway. And then, boom, boom, thud. A body, a bloody body comes banging down the stairs and just lands in a heap. The screams start again. People panic. Um, <clears throat> Krellen's like, that's not my fault. The cook is pointing at that, just immediately trying to exonerate himself. He runs back to the kitchen. He swings the door open and, and goes back to the kitchen, apparently thinking it's the safest place. Halleth doesn't know what to do. He's beside himself. His son, Quinn, runs over to the body. And, um, Lard, give me a perception check, please. Mm-hmm. Yep. I rolled a nine. Definitely, yep. That, that's the guy. That's the rat-faced, knife-scarred man, and that's his corpse, or what looks like a corpse, crumpled up in a in a heap at the base of the stairs. The young boy Quinn runs over, touches him, and goes, "Oh my God, he's covered in blood!" and backs off in fear. The rest of the inn is now crowding towards the fireplace in the center. Dirk Dirk uh, runs over to the the body that's come down the stairs. He's got to either walk around Quinn or move Quinn. The boy is frozen. Step aside, boy. I, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 okay. I okay, actually okay. pick him up. How okay. how big a boy is he? He's not very big. Yeah. He's a, he's a he's a small small kid. He, yeah. he, he's taller than the dwarf, but he's skinny. Oh, okay. Well, I pick him up and move him over. Yeah, okay. get out of the way, boy. He's got that. I've never seen a mutilated corpse face before, which where's is this, probably good. Where is this boy's parents? <laughs> that's well. That's, Step that's aside, Alex boy. Gamekeeper. All right. So there's the guy. I want to do a medicine check on him, and uh, I want to want to see if he's got wounds, if he's breathing, is he alive? Back up. Give him. Some, give me some air. Okay. Give me a medicine check. All right. 23. Nice. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. He's a really raspy, rattly breath. He does not have long for this world type of thing. Blast gasp type of deal. I'm going to lay on hands. Do you want to try to, f- to stabilize him? It is not your time. Oh, are you? Okay. 
It's not your time. I must talk to you. You must live. Okay. On behalf of cut birth. All right. Okay. Uh, okay. Five hit points. How, how much healing? Okay. Yeah. You're gonna get him stable, and uh, he's unconscious at this point, but the uh, he appears to stop bleeding. Well, you're looking him over, checking with a medicine check. <clears throat> Not only was he like on this last gasp, raspy breath, and so forth, but he is covered in uh, tearing, um, tears, punctures, and so forth. Something has ripped him up. If you were to uh, attack a person, like a cat, a very large cat, were to attack him, that's the type of damage you would assume to see. Like if he was corner, if he cornered a leopard and the leopard decided to kick the shit out of him, that's what you would expect him to look like. Ooh, His clothes are ripped. There's chunks of flesh. It's just, it's all, you knitted it enough. He's going to have some nasty looking scars by the time he's done. And um, he's got a couple more fresh, fresh ones on his face to go with the original, original scar he had, but he looks rough and his left eye is missing now. Where, where did you go from here into a lion's cage? The boy says well, his room's upstairs. Whose room? His. His room. Who's his? His the the man the man's room. He he rented it from father. It's upstairs. What did he do to you? Nothing. The man isn't talking to you. This is Quinn, the little boy. Little Quinn, boy's talking to you. Little boy. Yeah, Quinn's telling you that this guy, this beat-up man, his room is upstairs. Man's unconscious yet. He's not talking. I see. How do you know this boy? Well, I, 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 I took him to his room. First on the left. What's he look like? He's right there. What do you mean, what's he look like? This boy, this man. Yes, this is his, his room's upstairs. Oh, I see. He fell down the stairs. Boy, you watch this man, and if he comes conscious, you must come and get me. You understand? Okay. Yes, sir. Okay. Yep. All right. Uh, Dirk looks over at Lard and kind of gets tries to get his attention and bring to bring him over. Okay. It's like, hey, what's up, buddy? It's like, this guy in a room upstairs. We should probably look into this. Look at it. His body's look like he's been mauled by a cat. A huge tiger. Maybe a liger, even. <laughs> a liger. <laughs> you heading upstairs, then? Yeah. All right. The blood trail where he smashed and just bled and drug his body down the stairs, how he fell and splattered and stuff. It's pretty obvious to, you know, track the, the blood trail up the, up the stairs. Exactly as the young boy Quinn said, this guy's room is the top door on the left. <clears throat> the door's kicked kicked in or at least yanked in drastically uh, inside his room is just a shambles now where his <clears throat> excuse me where his room is there is a piece of the chimney to the larger fireplace that comes up just inside of his room and you can see from that there are a number of stones that are like pushed out like they fit like so if the chimney is here right things have fallen into the room nothing fell into the chimney pieces of the chimney have fallen in you do not need a survival check at all to, to note this, but you can see um, human-sized barefoot prints 
and claw-like hands and these hooked claws on the ends of the toes, something came out of the chimney and into this room. And then you can you can see where the fracas started. It's very obvious where it um as soon as whatever happened with the chimney um happened near the bed, <clears throat> great big fight, something something happened. Um there's a lot of blood. But somehow this man, this weird rat faced dude, made his way out and stumble fell down the stairs. I'll pull out my sword. Very nice. And I look around, look up at the ceiling. And then now is the blood trail go out and then follow the guy that went down the stairs or does it go somewhere else? So it looks like um, there's two different blood trails. One of them goes out where this, where the NPC, right? The rat face guy went fought his way out of the room, fell down the stairs, landed in the in the heap at the bottom. There's a smaller bit of blood that leads back to the hole in the chimney. How big's the hole? The hole is big enough that um lard could squeeze through it. A skinny a skinny person could get in and out. So I, I take, mean it wouldn't be comfortable. I take my sword and I take it and I put it in the hole and scoop it up. And then as it goes up, if it doesn't hit anything, I poke uh, my head in there. Okay. Can you stick the blade up to make sure that there's nothing, no nasty surprise for you? That's right. Okay. Then you poke in, look down, or you look up? <laughs> I look up. Okay. <clears throat> you poke in, and you look up. <coughs> yeah, smoke. Yeah. <coughs> nasty, nasty, nasty bed. Embers and whatnot floating up. You um, don't see anything. You can just barely see the starlit sky above you or... You know, lightning and stuff flashing in the outside, but there's not much, not much else. Then I, I say, Lord, we must get outside. It may have escaped. And then he runs out the door. Okay. Down the stairs and out of the end and into okay, the it, street. As you're running by, little kid Quinn is like, sir, he's awake. Mr. Dwarf, Mr. Dwarf, he's awake. He's awake. Ah, crap. Of course. Shh. Son, keep him cuffed up or I'll be right back. And I okay. run out into the street. Okay. You bust out back into the entry where um back outside. It's still really shitty. That rain, sleet crap. What are you what are you doing? I try to look around at the rooftop to see of the of the the copper cup yep. to see if there's anything there or along there uh, along the uh the building uh rooftops. And uh, I go maybe around to the back of the copper cup if I can. <clears throat> yep. And if there's if it's really shitty out, I'm like maybe trying to see if there's any any tracks I can find that's fresh and maybe not of uh, humankind. Okay, give me a uh, survival check while you're outside. All right. Dirk hit, oh my god, Dirk has a four skill in survival. Rolling a one gives him a five. five. Not bad. <clears throat> so, from a Game Master perspective, most of the action is inside the inn. So, for me, one of the dangers, quote-unquote, right, is the player decides to go outside the inn and roam around a lot. So, 
depending what happens here is then I usually institute like there's a Dorothy door, a little outside uh, root cellar that goes underneath the inn to a basement or something along those lines, something that would drive him back into the building because that's where I want him. <clears throat> or the other thing is that um, I could have a, a creature on the outside coming back inside and so on and so forth. But I'm not implementing that right now because Sean rolled for shit. And it's my experience tells me the highest potential is that when I say there's nothing to be found out here, that he's looked around, sees no tracks, it's too shitty outside, he'll probably go back inside. And if nothing else, that's where the other character is. He's probably going to go back inside check. You're going to make sure that that other character stays there by ensuring that other things happen. So, <clears throat> so Dirk, you've run outside, you've looked around. It It's really it's super shitty outside, right? With the rain and the slush and the mud and the freezing and whatever as you roam around the back you can see um you can see tracks of people animals and so forth but nothing that looks like those blackened soot prints from inside you don't see anything like that here all right then i um i go back inside to check on the rat face man all right <clears throat> lard what is he doing is he still up in the room uh he's probably well assuming nothing's happened while he's in the room he actually mm -hmm. while he's doing as Dirk is like run out, he looks around the room probably a little more intensely to see like, uh, just maybe kind of looking and investigating. Uh, What's he trying? Is he trying to find um, like who the man is? Is he like, yeah. is he flipping the bed over, looking through clothes? Well, he'll you know, go looking like he'll open the, well, I don't know, closet. <laughs> maybe if there's a trunk in there, he'll flip it open. It, it flips open somehow. And he yeah, okay. takes a gander in there. Like, huh? That's weird. What's that? You know, he's got his loot on his back now, and he's kind of just eh, probably goes over to the uh, nightstand and looks and sees if there's any possessions there. Maybe opens a drawer, um, seeing if there's anything uh, a trace from from the guy that inhabited this room. So the rat face guy had his saddlebags here, <coughs> backpack, and a few other personal belongings. Oh, I hit those up. Like, oh, saddlebags. Okay. Yep. Within the um, within the saddlebags is a um, an oil an oil skin packet that has um, some vellum scrolls and things within it. That seems to be the most interesting thing. The rest of it, there's a pouch with um, some coins, a few gold, some silver. Um, he's got a couple of extra daggers, but nothing nothing super interesting other than those um, that oil skin pouch. All right, I check the skin pouch then a little more intensely. Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. So, um, Game Master perspective, well, Sean decided he wanted to search through the room. I want it to be valuable to him. Um, and I also have some thoughts in my head about who this person is, what they're here for, uh, this rat face person. So, it makes sense that if he's explaining what he's doing, he's got time. I don't need him to roll a perception check. He's telling me what he's looking through, what he's trying to find. He's, you know, quote unquote, inadvertently opening things. So yeah, he's going to stumble upon this. It isn't well hidden. And this, the rat face man had no intention of um, anybody else invading his room. So it wasn't like he was securing it somewhere. So you're opening a little skin packet. Take a look at what's in there. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> There are a series of um, series of letters in there. They're all just kind of rolled up, scroll-like. And um, they all have the seals, the little wax seal on them broken. It's a black wax seal with a uh, with a hand, a left hand. And the, the seal has been broken. 
I assume you read them or at least peruse them quickly. Do I recognize the black seal? Um, let me see here. That's a good question. Would you or would you not? Give me an, uh, let's do an insight check. It's a wisdom. Only a lot. Very good. Yes. Um, it is the symbol of the black hand and which is an assassin's guild from Newmark. Have I ever, how well do I know the black hand? Do I just know of them or do I, you know, like- of, you know of them, they're very, very dangerous. Obviously they're assassins. They're paid to kill people. They're not good. They're not nice. Um, they their reputation is like my reputation precedes me type of thing right if they take a job always fulfilled so on and so forth they're known for being sly secretive and not splashy right so if someone hires them to kill somebody there's not going to be like you know the explosion (laughs) it's gonna be a quiet night of uh eating drinking poisoning falling you know and then not waking up type of thing knowing that it's part of the black hand i i quickly uh look at the uh documentation there is a um they're all from corellan he has um written these notes to the black hand Hmm. corellan is the cook He has written to them, um, <clears throat> explaining that the um, that Halleth knows more than he than he says. I'm certain what you're looking for is here. Come quickly. I don't know how much longer I have. Okay. So, as a DM note, I made that up right now. I just wanted something interesting to implicate. Um, I knew offhand that there's one of the NPCs is going to need to be implicated in the thing that's going on. I wasn't sure whom, how, or why, but it made sense based on the accusations and the quasi tight, or excuse me, the, the, the tense relationship between Halith and Krellen. I figured what the hell those guys will implicate. Um, one will implicate the other this way. All right. What do you do now? <clears throat> I uh, I try to put it back the way it was to some degree, and actually, we're done. Uh, sh- actually, pocket it. Okay. Put the whole oil skin thing, slide it in. Yeah. Okay, it's a it's a handful of notes. That's the gist of it. You just read through each of them, like, hey, I've got something. We need you. Blah blah blah. Okay. Put those aside. Now, I should also say, with your role on uh, what the Black Hand is, the fact that these were sent with the Black Hand seal would indicate that Krellen is a member of the Black Hand. The uh, cook is a member. I see. Because otherwise, he would never have used that seal. Ah, dirty bugger. Yeah, potentially. Right. Okay. All right. So, Dirk, you, you've come back, and uh, the, the, the guy's awake. So, Quinn looks at you and says... Um, uh, the, uh, Mr. Man here, he's awake. The rat-faced guy looks at, at you and, and is going, did you, did you do this? I, yeah. Thank you, sir. You Thank right? you, Dwarf. How you feeling? You know, that I took, you took a nasty bump down the stairs, a little trip, and knocked your head, had a big old goose egg on there. How you feel? Those, 
uh, better now that that thing's not on top of me. I think it went down the chimney. What is it? What was it? I don't know. The bricks fell out, and this this weird being, it was like black smoke and claws and teeth. It just it came out at me. It attacked me. I barely escaped. Die? You almost died. What's your name, friend? Zero. Zero? Yeah. Is it Null? Yes. It's an interesting name. Where do you hail from? Newmark. I see. What brings well, you I don't here? Know if, Copper well, I've, I've got business here. I, I don't know if you're... He starts looking around, like kind of over your shoulder, scanning the room. This is between you and I. I think, I think Halleth did this. Halleth? Yeah. The freaking guy over there. Yeah. The owner of the tavern. Yeah. What makes you say <laughs> that, friend? I got my reasons. I know stuff. What did you Just say your name was? Zero. Zero. <laughs> Keep an eye on him. Keep an eye on him. Huh? Oh, I'll keep my eye on him. All right, here, can I help you up? Yeah, you get him up, put him in a chair somewhere, get him comfy. Yeah, we'll sit over here. You know, earlier we got off to a rough start, my friend. That happens. It's all right. My name is Dirk. Dirk Do-Gooder. You seem like the type. I'm a dwarf, a hail from the hills. <laughs> I can tell. Hi. <laughs> when uh, when Lard is done, is he coming down the stairs? He does. Okay. Yeah, he's he. If he realizes the rest is just kind of meaningless bullshit, he tries to put it back the way he found it to some degree and not make it look like somebody rummaged through his place. And even if it does, eh, you know, somebody went after that guy, so he'll come back down and. Okay. Once he realizes, like, what's going on, Dirk, so the, the, Dirk will wave him over at some point. Okay. The talk within the common room now is that, okay, so Halleth and Corellan went in the back. They both came out at some point and um, told the told everybody else in the inn some kind of a story about it was, um, <clears throat> it was a mistake. It was from the butchers. The finger is gone. And there's it really was it wasn't really a finger it was just a bone it was this it was that they're they're kind of playing the whole thing off there's a whole lot of it's okay it's okay it's okay both of those guys placating, placating. yeah they both they came back out and everything seemed fine everyone's okay you're fine we're all fine how are you it, it's just all going well now hmm. um, the little girl insisted it was a finger her mother's like shush 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 you just got everybody all worked up about nothing there was no finger there it was just uh, hush 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 hush. If Lard hears, is Lard down yet or no? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Lard's come down. This is what that's what he's walking into. He hears that and he sees Dirk talking to the uh, to Zero. As Lard hears the little girl or something, he goes over and says, "I believe you. Our secret." She does a shh, winks at you. All right. Okay. But the soup is okay. It's a fluke. Do you know what a fluke is, little one? Yeah, they get in your liver. F- no, not that. <laughs> what? What books do you read, little one? You need to I'm stay. A farm. I'm, I'm, I'm a farm kid. I know what a liver fluke is. Come on, this happens. 
yes. a mistake. <clears throat> it was an accident. Yeah. She understands. Yeah. Make sure you eat your vittles now. Don't let this scar you. All right. All right. Excellent. Now I must tend to my friend. See what happened. You All right. Behave now. She promises. All right. So he goes over to Dirk. Yep. Uh, hey, buddy. What's going on? Hi. I met this. This is zero. You might have, we might have seen him earlier. He's like, I, we didn't get off. We, uh, he goes, yeah, we didn't get off to a good start. <clears throat> Got my characters mixed up for a second. <laughs> Zero's looking at both of you and he said, look, I don't know what, I don't know what your deal is and all of this, but something's going on. Mm. He says, I don't, I don't trust Halleth. Halleth, yeah. Oh, the, the tavern owner? Dirk says, yeah. I, the tavern owner. Yeah. Uh, well, should we, we should be like food inspectors, maybe. He Zero was like, I'm in no shape to go back there. If you guys want to go back and check, I, I go for it. I just, I, I just, I can't trust him. Why did they come for you? I don't know. Come on, buddy. Everybody's got a story. Everybody's. He was every. He steps up, stands up, looks around the room, and says, "Everybody has a story." It might be What's because your story, of me? my friend. What's your story? <laughs> Starts pointing at people. All right. Zero's like, look, I'm here on business, and my bit, my, he, it, I can't divulge why I'm here. What I can tell you though is, Hal can't be trusted. I don't know what else I can do. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> they don't call him Dirk Do-Gooder for nothing. And he probably would be willing to help you, the naive <laughs> bastard. Dirk looks at him with, like, what? What? Yeah, what, what, like, what does that mean? <laughs> he says, but. You gotta know what's going on here, buddy, to help you out. We're not. Hey, come on. You could trust us. Dirk saved your life. All right. Well, get me up to my room. All right. Let's go. Go up to your room. Okay. It's like, oh, look so, at this place. Uh, looks like a mess. <laughs> so everybody downstairs is kind of, they've been placated, right? So they're kind of milling around. They're talking, discussing, so on and so forth. People are being served and whatnot. You guys go upstairs, Zero shuts the door, sits down on the bed, and says, okay, look. <clears throat> I'm a member of the Black Hand Assassin's Guild. So is Corellin, the cook. Who's that? Who are the Black Hand? Try to deceive him to... Well, you're trying to deceive well, him? Well, he's trying to like play it off like he doesn't know Trying to know play stupid? Are. Yeah. Like, what's the Black Hand? Like, you know, I don't run in those circles, buddy. What do you oh take God, me I for? Rolled, I, I, I rolled the one. <laughs> I rolled the one. You rolled the one. Yeah, I did. I totally rolled the one. I, so uh, uh, for for deception, I rolled a I mean, uh, eighteen. <laughs> even with my bonus, there's nothing there. So zero looks at you, blink, blink, blink. Like, oh my god, I you really? Um, so he explains yeah. to you that the Black Hand is a guild of assassins. We kill people for money. See, um, oh, sounds dangerous. It is quite dangerous. Corellin, uh, they actually, the guild placed Corellin here about a year ago because this is a constant, it, it's a place where people stop and travel between uh, Lone Pine and Newmark, as I said earlier. They placed him here as not only as a as basically somebody taking notes, watching, keeping track, whatever, but if they needed to take care of something as the cook in his position, he could easily have somebody, he could kill somebody if he had to. Corellin got a, um, he was paid through the guild to kill Haleth. They are the owner. 
So Krellin poisoned him. And it should have killed Haleth right off. It did Why not. Why wants to kill him? We don't know. We don't care. We're just doing what we're uh, paid to do. It's like, is that what assassin skill do? Like he's... <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's why his level huh? of that. He's like, I can't believe you're this goddamn. What turnip yeah, truck did you come from? On outside again? of town, we don't so, know. Yeah, yeah. So the basis of this is, is that Corellin has tried to kill Halleth on five separate occasions, and he and he won't die. He has poisoned him, and so on and so forth. <laughs> and um, maybe the poison's yeah. not strong enough. I mean. Oh no! It's, wow. It should do the job. It should you actually sure do the ate, job. It's not like working. He didn't put the poison on the on the eggplant, and then he ate, you know, the broccoli. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. the zucchini. No, no, no. What's going on? So, Corellin had contacted the guild, and what he, what Zero knows to be true, is that Corellin has found that there's something else going on underneath the inn. He doesn't know what it is, but he knows that's got to be what Halith. That's got to be the reason Halith is supposed to die. But he's not dying. So Krellin became very nervous and very scared and wrote back. And that's why I'm here, was to try to protect him and find out what you was know, going friend, on. When you start looking for things like that, it seems to find you, doesn't it? It does. He looks at himself. Yeah. Absolutely does. Might want to count your lucky stars and maybe move on. Maybe this thing that uh, Halland is. It's a job. <clears throat> I gotta do the job. I end up killing you, or couldn't net you wow. two hundred gold? Oh, I'm sorry, what? I'll pay you two hundred gold. Two hundred gold for what? Find out what hell is hiding. Two hundred gold, huh? Looks at Dirk. Dirk's like, Arn's like, uh, I don't know. Two hundred, two hundred gold. I mean, that's is that is that the going rate? I mean, how much are they paying you? I'll give you three. 300 gold. That's, he went up a hundred gold. That means you got a lot to spare, friend. Mm. All right. Well, I'm not going to haggle with you. Seems, uh, I mean, is this, is this, are we talking something supernatural? Maybe. Probably, yeah. Uh, well, it's no wonder something ripped your body apart. Hmm. Now, Dirk, what do you say? Wait a minute. 300 each? Yes. Huh? Dirk could send some home to grandma. Uh, <laughs> don't you mess with my grandma. You guys in? Yeah. We're in. All right. What's the plan, Zero? So, Zero says he's going to go down. <clears throat> he's going to go downstairs and um, demand to talk to Halleth um, about what happened in his room. Kind of basically, well, I shouldn't say basically, exactly what he's going to do is distract Halleth and have him deal with the whole room debacle, whatever happened there, so on and so forth. He's going to keep Halleth occupied. Um, he needs you to head back into the kitchen, talk to Krellin, see what he's found out, and then move on from there. Fair enough. I think we can pull this off. <clears throat> Excellent. Hey, what do you think, Dirky boy? Uh, all right. Probably. 
Awesome. All right. <clears throat> Pretty short order. Hal, you guys come down. Zero calls, uh, gets Quinn over, says, hey, I need to talk to your dad. Halleck comes over. What can I do for you, sir? Well, um, they start talking back and forth. Let's come up and see the room. He's <clears throat> Zero is being very loud about the story, about um, um, something with the chimney. It exploded. He's making some kind of like the <clears throat> rocks. If you overheat a rock, sometimes they'll break and so forth. He's making it seem like it's some sort of a, more of an engineering mishap than anything to do with a supernatural or a monster or anything along those lines. And some of the old timers like, oh, well, yeah, I've heard of that sort of thing, blah, blah, blah. But Zero is keeping Halif and everybody else very focused on him, his story. And um, Zero now has Halif headed up to the room to go take a look at that. So this would be your opportunity. So Halif is the guy <clears throat> that the black is the black. Black hand is trying to kill the black. Okay. And Corellan. Yes, that guy. Corellan yep. is the cook. Mm-hmm. Who's also an assassin. Who's also an assassin trying to kill Halleth. Yep, and it hasn't worked. Got it. <laughs> All right. So as he is talking to Halleth, right? He's in- yes. Okay. Yep. I, hmm, I, go down, I go downstairs to the cook or down into okay. the... I say, go over in, into the kitchen, yeah. Yeah, go into the <clears throat> kitchen. Uh, Lard and Dirk. Okay, you, you open the door, Carlin turns around, sees both of you. Uh, what, 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 can I help you? I'm Lard, this is, this is, I'm Lard, this is Dirk. I, points down, down towards him. <laughs> so we know the, uh, we know the deal, buddy. Jig is up. We're on the payroll. What's going on? Where's the, uh, is there something leading from downstairs from here? Look, we talked I've, to Zero. We know the deal. Don't even give us any bullshit. Zero? Yeah, the guy from... Come on, man. Your colleague from the black hand. Shuts the door. All right, see? Is that the code word? Black, 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 black. Stop, 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 stop. For God's sake, keep it down. All right, let's not dick around now. We're partners. We're buddies. All right? All right. So, if you go outside, around the back, yeah, boy. there's a cellar entrance. It's locked. I've got the key. Hands it to you. Whatever he's hiding, it's down there. You haven't been down there yet? I haven't been down there yet, no. So all this time you've been dicking around, you haven't been down in the cellar yet? Nope. Why? I haven't had a chance. You chicken, aren't you? You're a chicken. You're- he looks around. Um, there's a lot. There's a little sweat, a little nervousness. Yeah. You're you're part of the tough black hand assassins guild. Boy, I hope this doesn't get out. What's your name? You're Corellian? Corellith? He's got he's got the look of well, you know, I've tried to kill the guy a couple of times and he hasn't died. I've tried to poison him. He's not dying, so I'm a little ner- he's nervous. He's scared. I got your number, man. I would watch your back. He's, All right. I would watch. I'll go down there. Let's go down there, Dirk. Let's, let's do some. Hey, Dirk, let's do some good. Hey, hey, ring. <laughs> nice. <clears throat> All right. Out you go. Yeah. All right. Very good. You guys go outside through the shitty weather to the door. It's got a padlock on it. Key fits it easily. Pop. Crack the door open. Set of stairs going down. Dark. 
Of course. Shit. Dwarf is dark vision. Indeed. Dirk. You know, I, I can't see in this shit. Go get a lantern. Get a lantern. I don't know what to tell you. You send him back to you. Yeah, he he goes back inside, gets a lantern from the tavern, and then goes back. So, Dirk, while you're waiting for Lard to come back, there is, um, it is really, really. Dirk is there. He's a dwarf. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, So while you're while you're standing at the at the entrance to the basement, it's it's dark. You know, you can see you can see down there, but it is really rank. There is a horrible, horrible stench down there. Nasty, nasty stench. Sewage. Why is it got to no, be it's, sewage? It's, it's not sewage. This is, is rotten meat. This rotten is rotten meat. Ah, oh, yeah. Worse. Yep. Oh, Jesus. <clears throat> Lard comes back. Little lantern. I got a lantern. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, God. What is that? Oh, it's rotten meat, probably. I'm going to be in a lot of trouble here. I'm going to pinch your nose for this. All right. Lights the lantern, or if it's if it's already lit, great. Yep. Head on down. Yeah, and uh, Dirk leads the way. Okay. So, Dirk, you go down. It goes down about 10, 15 feet. Levels out into what looks like a regular, it's just a 10 by 10 root cellar type of basement. <clears throat> However, on the directly across from you is a newer section of the wall that's been, I shouldn't say newer section of the wall, there's a newer aperture in the section of the wall it's been broken down and there's wood poorly done wood planking and stuff keeping it up but there's a tunnel leading out of that and from that tunnel is where the smell is coming from most of the foodstuffs in this area seem like they're okay a lot of um you know dried herbs and things hanging but does nothing to mask the smell of what's coming down the tunnel i guess we should follow our nose eh dirk heading down yeah. Okay. Dirk, you go down the tunnel. Um, as you're walking, your dark vision you can pick up. There's been there are tracks in the mud and in the, the dirt down here. It's cold. Um, it has that underground damp feel. <clears throat> as Dirk is walking down, you start to see um, there's things hanging from the ceiling and being displayed on the walls. As he walks down, you can see there's bits of skin. Um, there's a hand like nailed to a beam. There's a, you know, piece of a leg off on one other side. There's bits of people hammered up on the walls, like a trophy or like a display piece. It's incredibly disgusting, obviously. And it stinks bad. Many of the body parts, they're, they're old. They've been rotting. They have, um, looks like they've been gnawed on. It's, it's got that whole charnel house feel. Still going on. <laughs> I'm beginning to think this is a bad idea, Dirk. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. We should probably check it out. As something's going on here. All right, we go further. Okay. It goes on for a total of about 50 feet, and now you're like, okay, are we even under the bar anymore? Where where exactly are we? The Dirk the dwarf has you know with his being a dwarf and being underground, I said, okay, we have moved around quite a bit here. It didn't go straight. It twisted, turned, took a couple dips. Like, this is odd. Um, <clears throat> you come into 
at the end of the hallway is another aperture that leads out into a room. This room is 30 by 30. The ground from the doorway slopes down about a 45 degree angle. So it's 30 by 30, but it's deep, right? So you're at up kind of near the ceiling of it. So it dips down about 40 feet. So it's a deeper hole in the center of it is a, uh, is an altar. Um, it's a massive, big basalt type of thing. Um, there's no people chained to it or anything like that. All the people are um, chained off in the corners, but the basalt, um, uh, altar itself, it has a statue on the, in the center of it, the statue of this corpulent, um, goat headed, demonic form with big wings and this weird skull handled um, wand. It's this big thing. Um, you know, like, like, like an Orcus. Yeah. If you could think of an Orcus statue, that's what the statue would look like there um, against the walls on the other side to different support beams and so forth. Every person from up in the, up in the inn you see chained down here. Every person you see Halith zero um, everybody chained up along the walls on the outside. They're chained up along the walls. I so where you're standing here, you're standing here, right? And it slopes down 45 yeah. degrees, yeah. goes down 40 feet. Yeah. At the base in that room, along the floor, are everybody from upstairs is chained down here. Are they alive? They look like they probably are. There's a couple shuffles, a few moans, some kicks and tweak, you know, squeaks type of thing. Ah, shit. I what have we gotten into there? You hear a really soft, quiet voice behind you. I told you it was a finger. Uh, is it the little girl? Yeah. How'd you get down here, little one? Um, you turn back, you see her. Yeah. All right. She has Zero's head in her right hand. <laughs> Just blood dripping off of it. Her whore, her mouth is like just split wide open. She's got these nasty, long, horrible teeth. Her fingers are claws. <clears throat> <laughs> of course she does. <laughs> Initiative. <laughs> oh, uh, here it goes. Use this one. Oh, where did I roll initiative for this shit? Level 14. Oh, man. Trying to find initiative on this character sheet. Oh, here we go. Lard has a 13. And Dirk has a three. Three. <laughs> At home, when I run an initiative chart on my whiteboard, it starts over 30 and goes down to anything under five is called suck. <laughs> <laughs> They're in the suck range. I prefer the suck versus <laughs> the suck. just suck. Yes. Yeah, exactly. All right. So the first thing that happens is she screams. She lets out this god-awful blood-curling, like it's a lion-like roar mixed with like five little schoolgirls shrieking. That and I need you to... That little monster. <laughs> I need you to make <laughs> wisdom saves, please. <laughs> Excuse me. Cough is terrible tonight. Uh, wisdom save, huh? Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> Lard rolled a one for a Lard total rolled. for a total of two. 
Yeah. Very yeah. good. Very good. DC's oh, 13, fantastic. by the way. So. I was, I was kind of close. And then, of course, Dirk, Dirk hits it with a 19. Very good. Yeah. So Lard is, is, he's paralyzed. So as paralyzed creatures incapable or excuse me, creatures incapacitated, can't move or speak. You automatically fail strength and dexterity saving throws. I have advantage in all attacks against you. Any hit that the creature is a critical. Ooh, if I'm within five feet of you. So that's handy. So that's the first thing she does. <clears throat> oh, um, that's, that's her whole action. Excuse me. And, um, so Laird, Laird locks up, but Derek, he holds it up. Right. He holds ground, right? All right. So, yeah. Lard, you're frozen. You do nothing. <laughs> Correct. Good for you. Here, here we go. Hey, I'll Dirk, role play. What do you do? Welcome. <laughs> 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 Dirk, oh, what do you do? Dirk uh, is gonna. He's he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna do some damage. Ah, uh, we go. Shing. Yeah, he shings out the weapon. Um, and he's going to armor class thirteen. I, I guess he's just going to attack her. All right. Uh, fourteen. It. Oh, for Pete's sakes! Three damage. <laughs> the worst. A longsword. What are you hitting with? Yeah. Long start. Okay. All right. So back to top of the order, the bad guy. Um, she is going to Dirk's take armor a class hit 18. at Dirk. What's Dirk's armor class? Oh, God. I rolled a, I rolled a total of 12. Missed you there. Another one at you, and I rolled an 11. Even worse. Okay. Then, um, so she takes her two claw attacks. She's she's dropped Zero's head. She takes the two claw attacks at Dirk. <clears throat> that fails. Um, when she's finished that flurry of oh, blows, no. um, she mumbles something, and um, you can you can hear from the background some <laughs> rising somewhere in the room behind you. Right? You're fighting in the hallway. You're <laughs> Somewhere in the distance, back in the room, echoing. At that point, you could hear the the sobbing sounds from people out there, and the horrible like, "Oh no, the pain!" Ah, she's doing something with them. <laughs> um, Dirk, your turn. All right. Oh wait, Lard, Lard uh, make another saving throw, please. Wisdom save. Twelve. DC thirteen. Come on, Lard, <laughs> you could do it. Twelve. You failed. Uh, hey, so she's Dirk, what do you do? Weapon range. I'm gonna. Attack her again. Okay. All right. That's an 18. Better. For seven damage. It takes a sword out. Uh, Not bad. <clears throat> Ew, abomination. Ew. <sighs> Two claw attacks back at Dirk. Uh, ooh, that's an 18. I get you there. <sighs> You will take four, five, six, seven, eight points of damage. Whoa! Make a constitution save. Con save? Yeah. My God. Oh, yeah, baby. 21. Nice. Okay. DC on a con save is only 10. Suck it, girly. Okay. So when she hit you with those 
cloth when it hit you you felt like this it's like this nasty virulence hits you and just burns and it like this horrible poison's trying to uh, but your body's like no i shall even, not she's not even a little girl anymore all right that's her turn oh god lard Dude. save come on save you could save come on <laughs> you useless bard god damn it five <laughs> Five. Oh my god! Worthless. Dirk in the cut. Uh, Dirk, give me a perception. Perception. All right. Yeah. Yep. Twenty-one. And okay, there is um, there is a darkness. It looks like uh, it's made out of it's a ball of soot. Is the best way to say it. The smoke and soot is rising up from the uh, from the altar in the center of the room. It's kind of coalescing and forming into a man like shape, with like clawed hands and clawed feet. It's coalescing in there. It isn't completed. You can see the soot, the blackness is coming off of all of the people that are chained up, and their bodies are just shaking and racked with pain and torture as the blackness comes out of them and feeds this thing as it's forming. All right, that was Lord Bad Guy's turn. And I'm gonna. You're still standing. She's gonna keep swinging at you, and I'm gonna keep throwing my dice on the floor out to grab another one. That is a 13 and a 15. I miss and a miss. Lard, save. Come on, Lardy boy. 14. 14. Very good. I am unparalyzed. <laughs> very good. As a quick DM here, I am. Absolutely not fudging my dice here. I'm the creature isn't like it, it's tough. It's a homebrewed critter uh, and all, but uh, yeah, the DCs at a decent enough rate that I know he should be able to make these. I'm not. I'm not fudging my dice. Dirk is tough enough that with the creature fighting him and focused on him, she's not going to bother with Lard because Dirk continues to hit her and do damage. So I'm like, I can't. I've got to roll an 18 or higher. And as cold as my dice are right now, there's no point for me to mess around or do anything silly. So. All right, Lard, you are freed. You can um, you cannot attack, but you could take another type I, of action. Uh, like Lard, free action. Dirk says, "To the altar, Lard, to the altar." And so Lard boogies down there. To okay. See he, yeah. Yeah. Okay. He yeah. starts heading heading down uh, the ramp, getting he, towards it. Okay, Dirk, Dirk your will, turn. Uh, take out that thing that is posing as a girl. Oh, Dirk. Dirk, give me a perception check. Perception 19. Good. Okay. As soon as you, as soon as Dirk, you bark that order towards Lard, you can tell that has it distracted. The demonic creature, the devil, whatever the hell this thing is, you said that, it kind of does the whole jerk back. Like, oh shit, it's active. Like, the other one can move now. So she's aware of it, and you can tell that your directive to Lard has impacted its thoughts. Right, you've told your friend to do something that she doesn't want you to do. Your turn, though. All Go right. ahead, Dirk. So Dirk is gonna attempt to attack her again. Go for it. All right. Long AC thirteen. <gasps> Natural twenty, baby. Natural twenty. Yeah, critical. Twenty-four. <laughs> How much damage? <laughs> How much damage? Oh, you've got to be shitting me. I rolled a one and a two on the damage, so a total of five. <laughs> one, two, three, four, Jesus. five. Wow, okay. So she 
breaks off from you and runs. So you're going to get an attack of opportunity on her because she's running away from you to attack Lard from behind. This is not like a withdrawal action. She's like just leaving all behind her to go take, make sure that he doesn't do whatever it is he's, he's doing. So free one free shot. 15. Yep, AC 13. Oh. Nine damage. Yeah. I critical and I suck. <laughs> regular damage. Nine. Yeah, regular damage. Nine. Nice. Very good. All right. So Chi barrels out after Lard. And the first thing she's going to do is, you know, she's going to use her range. So Lard make a deck saving throw. DC 10. Lard's dex is uh, saving throw 15. 15, good. All right, you will take half damage from this. <laughs> okay. So she she's running and she gets um she's got little bitty legs, she got little kid legs, right? So she run, she goes the distance she can in movement, stops, opens her mouth and just bellows out, belches out this stream of maggots, um, flies, centipedes, this horrible, you know, bugs just go rolling out of her and slam right in, into Lard's back. His decks allow him to take half this damage from the horrible biting, clawing, burrowing critters. That is 12 points of damage. Uh, like half of that. Half of that. Okay. Half of that. Half of that. You saved. You saved for half. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and you did make the deck save. So I'm going to say that, you, that you're that you not knocked over either, right? So you're running down the 45 degree. She blasts you from behind. You're able to keep moving. You don't, you stumble, 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 but you keep rolling, keep rolling. So, Lard, your turn. So for the record, both of my characters at this point have four hit points each. All right. <laughs> so, Lard, yeah. <laughs> At the beginning. But you know what? It is what it is. Yeah. So, Lard, you can get up to the, you can get up to the altar, the, the, um, the smoky creature coalescing building out there is it's it's starting to form. It's the eyes within it are glowing red and um it's it's starting to take more shape. The eyes are glowing red. It's looks like something whatever's happened, something bad's gonna happen. So I get I try to get within say mm, I don't know, sixty feet. Can do that easy. And I whisper a sweet melody. Okay. What is it? When the bow breaks, the cradle <laughs> will rock. And all down right. will come demon. Cradle <laughs> and all. So, uh, what is this? Wisdom saving throw. DC 13. I rolled a 12. Ah! Takes 3d6. I mean, with, with all my bonuses, I got a 12. 3d6 damage. Where is it? What are you casting at? The her or the thing? The thing. Okay. 11 points of damage. Sleepy, see, sleepy. All right. <clears throat> what, is, what is that spell? What did you do? Dissonant whispers. Oh, dissonant whispers. Oh, my God. That thing's, that thing's brutal. Okay. <sighs> That song goes out. The spell hits the creature. Once it hits the the um, smoky, soot-filled, coalescing thing, it hits the the red glowing eyes bulge. The body starts to cave in on itself. You can hear the little girl demon. She screams in the background like like you hurt her. And at that point, the coalescing 
smoke thing falls apart literally like like you took um black creosote and just dumped it there's this oily splat where all the blackness falls out the people stop screaming and moaning that now they're just crying from the pain lard does a quick turn back dirk can see it and the girl is laying there now her body's twisting and writhing and starts to contort and transforms into it's very clearly a demonic body and it's just kind of standing right, trying to rise up a little bit. It's all bits of the girl form or like still the flesh still stuck to her, but her it's actual natural form is there now. This spiky, horrendously scaled thing with a big gaping maw. And she's this, <coughs> she's really, really wounded and is crawling, trying to make her way to the altar. She's saying something like, Father Orcus, uh, Lord Orcus, save me. <clears throat> Dirk, what do you do? Your turn. Dirk uh, attacks her and says, Orcus isn't going to be here to save you this time, girly. Yeah, come on, baby. Shit. Oh. You have advantage, dude. Oh, for Pete's sakes, a 12 and a 10. <laughs> All right, so you, you slam Such into the dirt near her. She has the opportunity to turn around this uh, little last ditch. Dirk, make a uh, constitution save, if you would. Actually, excuse me, wisdom save, wisdom save. 11. 11 DC 10, you made it. Um, she turned around, and for a brief instant... You saw this cute little girl, and she just said, help me. Help me, please. But Dirk's like, no, I shook it off. You, know, you rolled enough. Yeah. The illusion's gone. The illusion's gone. Lard, what do you do? I see you, girl. It's not you. You're a demon. Lard's going to... I think he is going to... <laughs> oh, that's not going to be... Mm. He's gonna mock her. <laughs> it's just mockery, dude. That spell, I tell you, is ridiculous. But I'm gonna use it anyway. And you're ugly, <laughs> and I don't like you. Pretty and, much. Uh, pretty much. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You ugly. Are you gonna save me throw on that one? Yes. Uh, wisdom save thirteen, please. Uh, fifteen. Okay. Uh, Dirk's turn. Yeah, Dirk's turn. He's he going. Has, he still he still has advantage because she's still on the ground. He's going to attack her then. Okay. Yeah. No more Orcus. Eleven. Oh God. An eleven and an eight. I have gone cold. You're, 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 she's got nothing left. You're going to kill her. She has two hit points left. Come I on, have one Dirk. Left. I had one last, I had my one last little gasp of her trying to illusion you. You can take care of her from here. She's weak and down, and you've stopped her, her flow of power. So, all right, you have destroyed her, or at least banished her from this plane. So good for you. Dirk puts the blow down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He'll smoke her. He looks around. So just from a game master perspective, there's no point to prolong it. She's not going to be able to affect them. She can only do the little charm thing once. She doesn't have it anymore. All of her other things, she can no longer attack. 
based on my description of and going, she's just done. There's nothing she can do, and the heroes are winning, so I'm going to let him have it. So Dirk does what? He uh, goes to check on his friend. Lard? Yeah. You're you're right. Took a couple knocks, but I'm all right. And both of them look around. That's over three quarters of my life is gone. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Uh, Blow it off. Um, And they both look around the 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 antechamber. Yes. To to see if all the people are okay or what what's going on with them. They're hurt and wounded. They need care. They need medical attention and whatnot. But um, you can you can free them, and no one has died. Okay. Had you had you failed to stop the the summoning component of it, it would have axed a couple of them. Well, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they split up and start um, freeing the the people and comforting them and consoling them. Everything's gonna be okay. You're fine now. You're fine. Everything's gonna be all right. Just don't eat the soup. <laughs> Very good. All right, man. That's what I had. So from a... Oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So what had happened, um, Game Master-wise, is I had a couple different options for creatures I wanted. Um, one was like uh, ghouls in the basement, demonic summoning, something, something, something. And I wasn't quite positive who I wanted the NPC bad guy, the turncoat to be. Like, is it zero? No, it can't be zero. It's got to be something else. Like, you know what? It's, I need the kid. I want the kid to be the bad creature. And um, you can murder the kid because it's actually a demon. You won't feel bad killing the demon, right? Because it's this horrible thing. What it had done is that I decided that everybody was trapped in there. And that's, it's basically illusion and so on and so forth. Had you continue the campaign, you find out why it can do what it can do, what its power is, the cult of Orcus behind it and so on. But there you be. That's fantastic, Brett. So I don't, you don't have to lie to me. <laughs> Did you have fun though? Yeah, Did you have fun? fun? Okay. Yeah. Um, to be honest, apart from this sheet of paper, which has like that many notes on it, that's it. Um, I made the rest of it up. I had an idea of what I wanted to do. Um, the DCs and armor classes, I based them off of ghouls and ghasts. I'm like, okay, this is, I want it to be within that power range. So I had my monster manual open next to me with the ghoul and gas page from my 5e monster manual. So I could keep it within those bounds. Looked at the saving throws, like, okay, she's going to have a couple extra pieces and parts. The other thing I like to do thematically is um, sometimes having the bad guy have one last gasp, which is the charm. Like, hey, save me. And then, Dirk would have attacked Lard. However, I want that to be a last gasp. It has to be like a really bad failure. So I had the DC on some of those things, 10 instead of 13. 13 was the larger one, and she could do that once, the big scream, um, which is basically instead of a ghoul's touch to paralyze you, the demon could scream and paralyze people that way. So it wasn't touch-based. And then the claws had the opportunity to poison you, but only initially because she had poisoned herself. Prior to the fight, after the first round, I stopped having you make the uh, make the saves because her claws are out. She was just she'd used poison to uh, to attack you with. It wasn't a native natural thing she could do. Um, but I didn't. I gave her 20, 25. She had thirty hit points, and you had done five, ten, fifteen, twenty. 
Yeah, like 27, <laughs> I think, total by the end. So then I'm like, yeah, she's she's done. And the other thing is after you destroy the creature, her form is fading. She's getting banished through the process. That was part of the whole ritual connection component of it. The other thing I don't, I think is interesting, which I like what you did, Sean, was that sometimes things don't always make sense and they don't always connect. Like, okay, what's this? What's that? And I think the things that you do, which I appreciate that my home group does a lot too, is like, okay, huh. But let's see, tying the threads together. Like there's a weird loose one, you know, fuck it. There's a monster. We'll, we'll, we'll work out the threads later. There's a, there's an obvious threat. There's a thing down here. Um, so you had plenty of opportunities where you could have just turtled up and said, well, let me get all the jigsaw pieces and try to paint the full what's exactly happening. And it was a bit of weirdness with more behind it than you could have found out. So there would have been gaps in your plan. Right. And, um, and the fact that I knew that you as a player, you're not going to let those gaps stop you from doing shit. Right. You're here to play. So you're going to play D and D. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to be like, well, I'll, I only have three clues, but I think Brett might have eight clues. So let's wait until we get at least seven clues before we go forward. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I have found that if I've played with players that typically play, like they're like, uh, Jeff is a big player. Like he doesn't game master, doesn't run games. Nope. And, and I think he usually, grasps onto stuff like that and goes with it, right? And and inherently he's like, okay. Also on the on the same side of things, to some extent, you know, the Forbidden Lands group and a few others, a lot of game masters. And so they understand like, okay, this is kind of the deal, so to speak. Yeah, we should we should this looks like a product. I should probably bite onto right, that so I can right. do some stuff. Not all players are like that. Mm. And I think if any player sees this or watches this and maybe want to, well, I probably would have investigated a little bit more, what have you. I don't think that's necessarily a bad, wrong thing to do or an approach to things. But at the same time, sometimes you just kind of have to say whether it's because I think the beef that some players have or the, the reason they go in a different direction is that they are not, to them in their brain, sometimes it may be, well, that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, they're following they're following a, uh, a chain of reasoning to try to lead them to one place or another. That's a perfect way to frame it up. A chain so of reasoning, yes. So there's there's some um, there's some constraints we had. We said, hey, this is going to be a longer episode. I didn't want to drag this out. Right. Right. <clears throat> had this been a multiple episode type of game with more players, right? Two players is different than one player playing two characters. It's a totally different dynamic as well. <clears throat> Doing a smash cut between two different players versus one player's two characters has a different feel and approach as well. Because if I smashed over to, let's say, Eileen, and she was outside investigating, and, she, and she's like, okay, let me check. And if her dice were hot and yours were cold, she made a quick survival check, she would have found, oh, there's a lot of footprints out here that lead to this Dorothy door. Or she would have seen the Dorothy door. You just rolled for shit, so I'm like, you don't see anything, and you just ignore it. You right. ignore the obvious door because it doesn't matter to you. And in that meantime, between a smash cut like that, between people, you'd have been in the room talking to zero, potentially, without her there. 
or having the side conversation and different things happen because you have time to think. Well, she's out there looking around. You're like, Ooh, I just thought of a really good question. No, no, no. And then when you come, when I come back to you in the smash cut, you're like, aha, I'm ready to go and really fire away. Where in this case, I thought you did a great job because it's tough to um, play two characters sometimes and then operate freely between them. As a game master, I couldn't quite figure out what the fuck you were doing with the singing thing. I'm like, Oh, he's just having fun. He likes doing this. Like you were singing a lot. I'm like, is he doing this to be annoying to me or is he doing it to have fun? And I'm like, you know what? Bard, Brett. I know. And I'm like, wait a minute. Yes, 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 yes. Well, it's interesting though, because a lot of times when I have run stuff with players who are playing bards, they do that initially and then they stop. Like, ah, now it's time to be an adventurer and no longer the bard. And you carried the bardic approach through, which I thought was kind of interesting. Hi, Brett. I don't know what to hey, say. I'm a. I have a bard as a character. I'm in, all in. The bard bards. So the other thing that, for me, because I I only have concepts and things I want to do, and I'm making a lot of it up. And depending on what you, I know what's going. I know how it will start, and the basics for the ending. And a lot of it comes down to for me as I'm making making things connect and making sure that this works and that I'm following a chain of reasoning that you're helping me lay out as you're finding something you found this interesting and so forth. If you had not given a shit about the, you know, rat face guy in the corner, you wouldn't have, I, I'm like, all right, then nothing happens. Then I gotta, I, I want something to happen. So there's gotta be a scream. Somebody has to die. Something has to occur. Um, I need to have, NPC drama, something happening to get you to move because otherwise it's like, huh, weirdness, right? Um, and the whole thing was the little demonic creature was just fucking with you two and Zero and Corellin <clears throat> trying to, you know, sorting things out. But, and it wasn't like a, I, I was tempted to do a, an old school straight dungeon, like a three, four room dungeon, but I thought, well, D&D can be a lot more than that and investigating, talking, performing, and so on. And I know sometimes I, I don't call for skill checks or sometimes I do. My logic, I tried to say it, but my logic for calling out certain skill checks was I'm like, well, you're in the middle of a fight. You should probably, if I, if I said, oh, she turns to, to attack Lard immediately afterwards. She's like, well, wouldn't I have seen that she was going to make a move or something because we're in close combat. How do I not see? And I didn't think you were going to do that, but I've run into that before. And I'm like, well, in a system with a skill check, I could have you do a perception check as the combatant, just to throw away here, check this, you do it. And if you failed and she ran away from you, you're like, where's she going? You're not sure. You could, then it's up to you, Sean, to make the assumption, but because your character made the role, aha, I tell you, Dirk knows she's worried about this based on what you said. Aha, ting. Now we can take some actions based on that. When, and I I think that that helps. I tend to use the perception quite often because that's the one I find people are always like, what do I see? What do I know? What do I, what do I observe? And it's such a more active and passive thing at the same time. <laughs> you know, I could just say, well, what's your passive perception? Uh, you don't notice it, but I'm like, they're in a fight in uh, especially in a fight. I want to be able to succeed or fail based on dice in D and D. So did that, did that work for you when I did that? I think so. 
for the most part. I mean, I don't have any complaints about how things. I don't. I don't have any complaints about. Oh, that didn't make sense, or why did he have me do that? And then, um, because when you when you explain, even when you explain, it's funny because you could explain things and break the fourth wall, but it wouldn't matter to me going back to the action. Yeah. Because okay. I would still act the way I would want to act given the situation and not consider, you know, I mean, to me, why you would do something or present something as a game master, eh, you know, because the fact is you still present it and I still have to react or deal with whatever's presented. Knowing that it's like, well, that's kind of the hook, right? I mean, you wanted me to go back into the kitchen, but to me, so going back to an example where it was like, eh, may- maybe contrary to what I'm um, saying, is when you mentioned the kitchen and the guy or or thing or whatever yep. that went back there, I was like, yeah, do I have enough to go back there? I don't know. Yeah, and that's and that's where I'm like, huh. So from my GM perspective, I'm like, okay, he's not doing what other people have done in a similar situation. So my first thought isn't, why is he being obtuse or blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm not giving him enough. That's my first thought. Mm-hmm. Quite frankly, I hope I portrayed that. I'm like, okay, I don't, I'm not doing something to make you, this sounds railroady, right? But I want to make you have a reason not to make you go somewhere. And right. I think that's, I may have, I may have misstated it earlier kind of off the cuff, but I want to give you a reason to investigate the cool thing. Right. So part of this was like from a lore of the world perspective, I'm like, I'm, there's a black hand I just, it, this isn't a real world. It's just something um, I'm pulling together for here. It's like, oh, Blackhand, I've used that type of assassins thing before. So then make Sean ask about that. How does that match? What is this thing? A bit of world lore. And then the Orcus demon in the basement. Okay, there's Orcus is there. I get that. Um, but I wanted you to be interested enough in the area and poking around the inn. I'm like, okay, I'm not giving him enough. He doesn't have to leave the common room right now because... Everything's coming to him. I can't split you up. I can't make you go anywhere because I'm not giving you anything interesting. So from my perspective, I took that as shit. What 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 can I add? What can I spice this up with? Right? Because I don't want demons to keep kicking in the door and I don't want everything to come to you. I want to make you go get stuff, but you're not going to go get it if it's not interesting. Right. And when you said that you you think you saw something go back there or or the door moved and you know, and then you know there's nobody back there. I didn't know, could it have, to me, as a player character, I could have been like, okay, that's odd, but is it my place? Maybe it's mm-hmm. maybe it's a real, real, real short person that I didn't see over the bar, where if you would have said something like, there's this little demon thing that laughs at you and cackles, goes scooting off into the kitchen. I'd be like, you know, what? you know that that's a good that. I mean, looking back at it, what I should have done is said, "You see the girl." Oh, I, I said, the girl, the girl going in the kitchen. That that had driven you right there, right? Made you want to look at, it. even if you went back there and she wasn't there, or whatever the case was, or went back there to say, "What? Are you, hey, you're not supposed to be back there." Yeah, would have driven you there. Yeah, because I think part of it is that it's goofy because I run run a lot of games, and sometimes there's this line between I don't want to make you go and investigate the thing I think is cool. But I want to give you enough reason where like, look, if this is kind of, you're going to have your best chance to deal with the thing. If you get this clue or you have the best chance to deal with this aspect or this is going to be the most fun for everybody involved. 
if you have interesting things happen to you. If I'm like, oh, this would be interesting for them if they saw this thing. Or be interesting for them if the party had to split. Or be interesting if they encountered this NPC. And sometimes I have taken a crack at it. I took a couple where I'm like, huh, Sean doesn't give a fuck. I got to move around. I'm, I'm done. And I'm, I'm not going to just bang my head on the wall and say, yeah, but the the door moved. Yeah, but the <laughs> door moved. Yeah, but the door moved. You know, it's going to be like, is the record stuck? What's wrong with you, Brett? Come on, move it on. <laughs> Because I don't, I hope you didn't feel like I was railroading. I know in a short campaign, a short adventure, it can be tough, but <clears throat> I didn't want to feel like I was forcing you to do a thing. No, I think a railroad, <clears throat> I think we know it when we see it and experience it and it's, it can be really tough. And I don't think. I, I think you had agency. Yeah. At least I felt like you had, you yeah. could make choices and whatever. And I was, I was, I felt like I was reacting to your choices. And like, when you, when you pushed on zero, I'm like, you know, like money, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, you, you're a grifter, you're in the cash. So I'm going to say, I'll start at two and work my way up yeah. <laughs> and see what you're willing to go for. Yeah. And the thing is, I think too, is even with the things that were put forth, like, oh, zero came down. We talked to him. <laughs> mm-hmm in the in the moment oh there's something up there you know there was one thing after the other that was a why wouldn't you just follow what's being put down hey yeah something in my room attacked me i don't know what it was all right we got to go to the room it's not like oh well that's dumb let's go over to the kitchen right it's yeah. going to the room whether there's something in there or not, and then once we're there, then it's up to it Brett made, to like, well, yeah. do I want something to be there or not? No. Okay. But I want some clues. Okay. I'll drop these clues. Oh, and then I'll put, you know, the skins in there for him to read. Okay. Munch, munch, munch go downstairs, da, 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 you know, and then Picture it's like something. things get rolling. So I think you can do that linear thing. And I think a lot of DM and uh, do that and players should hook onto that really easily if you present it in that particular way. The one thing that could have happened was you could have went to the room and be like, oh, there's nothing there. It's just a normal room. All right, I search it. Okay, what do you do? Drawer. I look under the drawer, look under the bed. Is there any personal possessions? Nope. Am I in the right room? Yeah, I like to shortcut some of that stuff like, you know, like you tear the room apart, you know, give me a check or whatever it is and add some color to it. Like, hey, there's saddle. You, what you talked about, I'm like, well, he's traveling. There's not going to be a trunk there. He had a horse. So there's saddlebags. I actually was waiting to see him. Like, I wonder if he's going to go out and look at the horse. I had no idea. And I'm like, huh. You know, in some I, I, groups, I, I, they'd be like, horse. I, oh. Horse, son oh. of a bitch. We could use a horse. Horses would get us to the next town. Fuck, <laughs> fuck. Right. Fuck, fuck, fuck. You know, but I was thinking, like, what happens if they go to the stables and... It, be, they being both your characters, I thought, shit, I said saddlebags. What if he decides to go out to the stables? I don't know what I'm going to do then. I'll figure it out. If it, if it happens, I'll worry about it. But I'm like, okay, um, hmm. I said saddlebags. I should have just said backpack. That would have kept him in the room. Because the actions in the end, and sometimes a choice of words, like saddlebags, ooh, right. saddlebags equals horse, equals a place outside this building. There's Fuck. no backpack, but there's saddlebags. <laughs> and you're like, oh, Hope, yeah. saddlebags horse is there anything in the saddlebags no horse okay let's go get the horse you yeah know, so yeah it's goofy how one one descriptor like that could make you could have caused you to go look at something where i didn't didn't quote unquote didn't want you to go see or i wasn't prepared for just because i said saddlebags out of just for color and descriptive did you feel like you had enough agency into to do different things and, and stuff 
because I was trying, I didn't want to, I didn't want to squash your creativity and so forth, but I knew we also had a shorter period of time and I didn't want to. So the short answer is yes. The, the, uh, the, (laughs) the only comment is, okay, I know the, okay. I know the, I know the cook, I know the owner or I know their names or whatever. How Right. And then the, I think then it's, um, how do I put it? How do I get involved? Like, what's the boundaries that the normal dwarf and human would have in a tavern given the situation? So, like, Got it. okay, right? So, like, the, the <clears throat> whole door, like, the door moves and somebody goes back to the kitchen. Okay. Whatever. Right. It's, should I do that? Maybe I could, but then... Somebody's going to be like, hey, man, what are you going to the kitchen for? Wait, this is, you know, personnel only. Whoops. Oh, sorry. My bad. See, I know some other players would be like, well, I've got a bard. I'll just bluff my way past anything. I belong back here. You know? Fair. <clears throat> but that's, but again, that's one player's perspective versus another one. So right. your your thoughts are solid there. I like that. That's yeah, for me, it's like I'm strangers coming to this town. It's going to say at the Copper Cup because I need solace from from the weather and, and the shit that's outside. Do I just go swinging my you-know-what around and yeah. walking into everything I want to just because, yeah, is that really... I think is that it, what I would do? Is that socially acceptable? And I think, if nothing else, if it was a longer component, I hinted at it where the girl and the mom said, we don't see a lot of dwarves. Right. True. Right. Yeah. So we could have leaned into that more sure. in a longer piece, or if it would have been a campaign world, then it could have said, well, you don't see a lot of dwarves. So the dwarf draws a lot of attention, and then whoever's playing the dwarfs as well, um, I'm going to go wander back there. If someone gives me shit, I'll be like, I'm sorry. And my culture, we always check out the kitchen because we won't eat in a filthy kitchen. I'm making this up right now, but I'm just, I think I can lie my way past the guard, you know, type of thing. So interesting. Okay. Yeah. Did you, so I got two other questions for you. Did you have, was that enough combat for you? Did you want more fighty fighty? No, I think for the amount of time that had taken place, that was plenty. I'm not, okay. I'm not big combat guy. I mean, yes, See, I am, I, but. Well, I should, I should say that was an advantage from like a, having played with you before. I felt pretty comfortable that if I had one fight, Sean would be cool with one fight, but I just wanted to verify. Yeah. I felt yeah. pretty confident that you'd be good with it. Yeah, it's got to fit the story, man. I kind of think like if you're like, well, again, present the opportunity. And if they decide to turn it into combat, great. Yeah, you could have picked a fight with Zero and he'd have went, you know, could have had a stabby fight right there. Yeah. Yeah. And I just didn't see the need to, to have him on my side of the fence. I didn't see the need to, to stir things up. And be, that's not the characters I, were, I was playing. True. There's always like a character, maybe, or an NPC that's got a chip on their shoulder and they're Billy Badass, and they want to go into the prison yard and kick the, go up to the biggest MF yeah, or some yeah, bitch kick and their, just yeah, throw kick down. their ass. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, what? That doesn't make, okay, whatever. So I noted, at least it, it seemed to me that I find different people react differently to named NPCs. Mm. And sometimes people are like, cook, owner, Cook, barkeep, little kid, mom, dad is easier than Halleth the owner, Corellian the cook, Quinn the boy, so on and so forth. Would it have been easier for you as Sean if I'd have just went with like job titles versus names? 
No, I don't think so. I, I'm a big fan of everybody having a name, although okay. it's hard to keep track of who's who. That's that's where I was going for. I'm like, you know, sometimes the, the not a risk, but a, I guess this kind of risk I, get, I you run when I have a a closed environment like this. Yeah. If everybody's just a job title, it's kind of feels mundane. Right. Like, sure. Uh, unimpressive. Where if you say Halas, Zero, Quinn, I had Sarah, Marith, Corellan. And I was ready to make up other names if I needed them. But I'm like, well, sometimes too many names. People are like, who's the cook again? Right. Because they feel compelled to use the name. So I'm I'm toying with saying, you know, Halleth the owner, Halleth the barkeeper, the barkeeper Halleth, or Corellin the cook, Cook Corellin, more often when I use their names just to drive it home. But um, because I don't want the players to feel like they're dumb or they missed something when I have to correct them. Like there was one point where you got confused. I was being Quinn, the boy, you thought I was somebody else. Oh. <clears throat> and I had to correct you the little discussion by the stairs. I'm like, right. well, this is real Dean. Yes. This is real gaming. This is what happens constantly. I shouldn't say constantly, but it happens. There's a shit ton. I just did a bunch of name dumps on you. You met a bunch of people, things happened. And you thought I was doing a different person, right. which is totally fine. It happens. But I felt you know, like, Oh no, no, no. I got to correct you. Fix this, fix this. And I wondered like, Hmm, so if I think cut back on the names would have helped. I don't know. I think with names, you gotta. I personally think you gotta have an organic method of bringing them forward because you wouldn't know anybody's names unless you know the person. That's well, what I tried to do. You never asked the little girl. I mean, you asked the little I girl didn't. like you, right. you never asked her what her name was. No. That's right. You never asked her the name, and the mother and the father you didn't ask the no. name. So I just went with mom, dad, little girl, and older boy. Right. Sure, and that's fine. <clears throat> And, but when the other folks, I did name kind of out of the gate. Right. And the names of the cook, like, I was like, how would I know the name of the cook? Eh, whatever. You know? Halleth yelled it. Halleth yelled it. That's okay. how we knew. Fair. Halleth yelled it. Said, Corellin, get your ass out here. Right. Explain yourself. Blah, blah, blah. Right. Sure. And to me, it would have been like, does that, my, that's me. Right. Yeah. Does my character remember the guy's name? As if I was yeah. sitting in a restaurant, I heard somebody yell at the waitress, waiter. Is it like a funny name or does it, yeah. is it like remind me of my, you know, mom or yeah, dad exactly. or something? Right. And then I'm like, <laughs> Oh, that's huh. It, so it's, it's one of those for me, sometimes lore uh, in a way or the setting. Um, if I don't give names to people, like if Halith is mad and I said, when you walked in, you know, Halith is the bar is the, uh, he's the owner, the barkeep, the hospital, hostel or whatever. He owns the place. And um, when he yells for the cook to come out, I'm like, I have to yell his name. Sure. He wouldn't say, cook, cook man, come forth. Cook, come out here. Right. Right. Unless cookie, if I, I could have went cookie, <laughs> which is one, because um, my, my mother grew up in a, in a restaurant in Upper Michigan. And the lady who was behind the stove most of the time, she got the nickname cookie. That was just what everybody called her. So it, it's possible you can have those type of things. It's still <clears> and, a name um, at that point, though. Usually it's still a name. Right. Yeah. But in a, and uh, anyway, short version is sometimes I wonder if like, man, if I threw too many names at people, if it was a, um, what I started doing like at cons, a lot of conventions I've played at have had um, little dry erase mats on the table. So I keep a couple of dry erase markers in my little, my, my game bag and I'll write down everybody's, all the NPCs names. I'll write them on the table where you can't miss them. Cause if I'm doing theater of mind like this, where there's no map, I find it's more important to write the names down. Sure. Halith equals this guy. This person equals that. Her name is this. Her name is that. This person's name is this. They are called this. If I do that, then everybody references, instead of asking me, 
They look at the table and say, who's the cook again? Oh, yeah, it's it's uh, Corellin. Who's this? Oh, yeah, that's Sarah. Oh, who's that? Oh, that's Jeremy. Okay, I got it. it they, can, they can see it. If you're at my house or we were gaming in my room, I use the whiteboard. Or, or even if I don't have any of that, I write down a piece of paper off and put it on the table so people could reference it. So, But you had fun? Was it all right? I did. It was good. Uh, I like the approach. I like what we <clears> did. Okay. It was fun. Yeah. I hope everybody else did. So you have to let us know. Yeah, and if there were if there were decisions or things that we did, part of the other reason to do this is like to try to pick apart. If somebody's like Brett, I think you fucked up. You could have done, or hey, how come you didn't do? Or if you had a better way to do something, or if there was, it's funny because if I if I go back and listen to it, I'm positive. I'll be like, oh my god, gaping plot hole. Oh my god, plot hole. Oh my god, blah blah blah. But at the time, it's just there. It's happening because you're listening to what's going on, what makes sense. You're you're building your chain of reasoning and you're hooking it and connecting it, and you're like, oh, to the basement I go, and that's where you end up. Um, I, I think I had enough in me so that if Sean would have went other places, I could have helped eventually direct um, by building that chain to lead them to a different location. But anyway, cool man, I'm glad you did this for me. So thank you, I appreciate you playing, man. Yeah, it was, it was fun. fun. I'm glad we did it. This format, yeah. it's interesting. Um, if you, it, hey, if you found value out of this, give us a like or subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube. Thanks to everybody in the chat that showed up and, uh, sat back and watched this. Hope it was interesting to you. Again, what Brett mentioned in the, you know, if there was something that, you know, I would have went this way or that way or things that I would have found that I would have done that would have been helpful. Let us know in the comments or, or write in to us, uh, for gaming and BS. Otherwise, you can find this at your podcatcher of choice and write in to uh, feedback at gamingnbs.com. We could field it that way. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that's it for this one. Good, man. I think we've got a couple different ideas for what could come next. I like the idea of starter talking about starter sets. Even um, what we just hashed out here a little bit, named NPCs, how you introduce names, how to do it organically, and so forth. Um, I appreciate folks listening. As always, you guys are awesome. Well, everybody who listens to us is just is so much fun. So yeah. thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for subscribing. And mm -hmm. uh, for Gaming and BS, I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good gaming all. This episode of Gaming and BS produced with help from the following BSers. Joe Swick, Old School DM, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Eric Jeppesen, Andy Hall, Chris Steele, Remy Bilodeau, Jason Hobbs, Mark Tasaka, Marco Froelich, Pierre Mongrel, Brett Pazinski, Brandon Barnes, Eileen Barnes, Dan LaValle, C.W. Mellencamp, Victor Wyatt, Craig Huber, Roger Bryslett, Stefan Dragonspawn, Jared Rasher, Finolf, Ray Otis, Jim Fitzpatrick, Old Scoozer Roleplaying, Ron Blessing, Curtis Takahashi, Larry Hout, Ron Bishop, Mark Richmond, Chad Gleyman, Craig, Howard Bishop, Josh Wallace, Corey Welch, Angus, Eric Salzweedle, George Sedgwick, Robert Nemeth, Brian Kurtz, Laramie Wall, Eric Avia, Jeff Seifert, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Niall Diamond, Aaron Relia, Jeff Goad, Aaron Coleman, Brian Rumble, Rich with Sean, David Baylog, Harrigan, Melissa Bashinsky, H.N., Colcago, Eric Tavola, Hoos Carl, Yorkus Rex, Ghost GM, Mike Hess Jr., Rory Weston, Jim Ingram, Daniel Garrett, Eric Frankhouse Presents, Phil McClory, Adam Grotejohn, Jay Plata, Ed Nyes, the Duke in Purple, Isaiah Aries, Christian, Larry Hollis, Craig Shipman, Todd Sharp, Orcus, Dorcas, Chris Shorb, Michael O'Holland, Wayne Peacock, Mike Coleman, 
Kevin Keneally, Zagrave, Vornak, Farty McButterpants, Andrew Lear, Craig Chunglo, Eric Lunsford, Ty Prunty, Feeling Good Lewis, Ziga Paradzik, Nick Westbrook, John Mahoney, Crystal Eggstead, Zalea, Zwiefer, Hypnocode, Kelly Ness, and Tim DeShane. Hey, BSers. Hopefully you'll listen to this before Monday, April 25th, because it's really important that you show up to our YouTube channel when we record episode 380 live. We've got a big announcement to make, one that you will not want to miss or hear secondhand. So head over to GamingNBS.com forward slash YouTube. Make sure you're subscribed so you get notified when we go live on the 25th, Monday at 8 p.m. Central Time. It's going to be a big one. Thanks, BSers. This This has has been been a Litterbox Litterbox Studio Studio production. production.